Oh, hi, podcast listeners. There's many ways you can listen to The Real Nerds Podcast. You can subscribe on iTunes. You can also subscribe on Stitcher Radio. You want to send us a Twitter message? You can do that. It's so easy, at Real Nerds. Like us on Facebook, Real Nerds Podcast. You can visit our website, realnerdspodcast.com, where there will be a lot of articles for you to not only read, but to listen to our previous shows. Do you like your stories told through pictures? Then you can also follow us at Real Nerds on Instagram. You can also call us, 720-6Nerds5. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the show. Hi, this is Ed Kramer, CGI artist from Industrial Light and Magic. I worked on the Scarabs from The Mummy, the Rock Monster from Galaxy Quest, and you are listening to The Real Nerds Podcast. Welcome to Real Nerds Podcast, unofficially the official podcast at Denver Comic Con, Pop Culture Con 2020, and beyond. It's always going to be Comic Con to me. I don't care what they choose. To be fair, it's really distracting here. (laughs) Well, it's Comic Con internationally, right? Like they just had the Brazil one or something? Yeah, that's because they. um, It's the San Diego one threatened to sue. Copyright. Yep. And every week on Real Nerds Podcast, we go see a new ish movie and podcast our experience of the world. This week we saw Ford v. Ferrari. Vroom. Because it's a court case. Dawn of Racing. Yeah. <laughs> Dawn, of, Dawn of Dad stuff. <laughs> I, I don't get why, why is that a cool thing to do now? Is, did Batman Superman make it cool? Oh, I highly doubt that. <laughs> it made like $800 million worldwide, so I guess so. Aww. Sorry, Lincoln. <laughs> I mean, I always here. I always think that it's funny when it's nine hundred million dollars. Like, <clears throat> what a failure! Yeah. What Batman v Superman? Yeah. Yeah, yeah almost a billion dollars. Yeah, if you're not making Garnered a billion dollars, at least one sequel. Um, you're not succeeding. I always wondered if they actually released the uh, R-rated version, if it would have done better, or I guess the director's cut of uh, Batman Justice Superman. League? Oh, the ultimate cut. Yeah, because I think it's a better movie. Yeah, but it's also got a longer runtime, so it's like how how long will the average person sit in a theater for it? How many show times can you allocate per day? And yeah, all that stuff. Definitely, diehard fans would go for sure. Oh yeah, I would have. I'll say that. Okay. Her car now. Okay, go watch cartoons. That made sense. Thanks, buddy. That was funny. What did he say? I have no idea. Something about his the card has been declined. Yep. Hmm. We also talk about movies that are coming out on Blu-ray, movie news, and what we've been watching throughout the week. Uh, if you want to see Ford v. Ferrari, I mean, you can read a book about the history of it, but we'll also spoil the movie, so we'll tell you you should see the film, and then play the trailer, and then do spoilers. Mm-hmm. Yep. How's everybody's week? Yeah, pretty good. Yeah. Busy. Yeah. Never stops. Nope. Train keeps on a chugging, man. I'm trying to get back on... Like being awake during the day and sleeping at night. <laughs> I went to three different Christmas events this week to for work. So I'm Fun. imagining by the time Christmas actually gets here, I'll just be, I'll be done. <laughs> you should be like, what the fuck? What? No, no, I don't want this holiday anymore. <laughs> you can take it back. 
Um, I mean, at that point, I'll just I'll be you know in euphoria, hopefully over how, how the many, ending of the Star Wars saga. Well, yeah, that, that, that's actually a good sigh of relief. But like, how many Christmas functions can one like do within a? Well, and we're just getting started. <laughs> I've got at least two more probably to go to. Oh, wow. Yeah. Dang. Someone starts singing a Christmas carol, you just punch him in the face. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Seriously. Mm. Um. Oh my God! Do we really want to, me to continue this? Do we want to go around town with Brad? Thank you, Corinne. <laughs> This week at the Esquire, the midnight movie is Friday the Thirteenth, the original. Yeah, show that one a lot, huh? Because it's literally no. Friday the Thirteenth. That's right, yeah. December Thirteenth oh, yeah, and Fourteenth. Check that out; it'll be fun. I'll have to check it out. I haven't seen any Friday the Thirteenth movie in a theater since mm. the remake. So, yeah, and other ones coming down the line: uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit later in January. Actually, know, I think it's the first I week of January. Actually, never seen that movie. Oh, that should Maybe be on your I should catching go classics. for yeah. catching the classics. They're episode. also doing The Shining again, so <laughs> I haven't even seen that movie and I'm already tired of it. <laughs> um yeah. So, yeah. Uh, other than that, you can go to the Bug Theater and watch Santa Claus Conquers the Martians. Uh it's a lot of fun. I saw it last Friday. Um yeah, it's fun. Check out the bug. You did some video work for it, too. I so did. Come and watch Brad's wonderful art. Speaking of which, you you shot a really cool music video. Did I? Thank you. Yeah. Are you, are you going to plug it, or are you just going to... It's not really a movie. <laughs> <laughs> you still shot it. I did. Did I... Mick G get a start as a mu- music Michael video? Bay. Michael yeah. Bay, yeah. Isn't Paul Thomas Anderson hanging out with Haim nowadays? Like, yeah. Filmmakers can be do music videos. Yeah. Uh, so the, the band Rocket Surgeons... Uh, hired me to do their newest music video for a song that they have in contention for the uh, KT- KTCL 93.3 Home for the Holidays. Mm-hmm. Uh, so whenever that shows up, vote for that song um, so they can go to a be a headlining performer at whatever holiday concert they got going on. Right on. The, the holiday spectacular of yeah. all time. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, the, the music video is just kind of like coincidentally part of that so uh yeah we shot over like three days and a lot of hours and they did all the production design and i just showed up and filmed so there you go perfect and the edit's one of the best edits i've ever done so do you think it helped because you just showed up and shot it and so you just had to focus on shooting and editing it probably yeah Um, do you like editing or shooting more um in this case i actually probably enjoyed the editing more but in general it's i don't really have a preference Maybe shooting more because it's actually capturing the image. Mm. Uh, but this one, like, the editing had all those speed ramps, and I haven't done that a lot on anything. Yeah, it looked good. So it was really fun to see. Like, some of those just ended at, like, ended up matching the timing of the song. So it was just really fortunate. It worked out. So Sometimes when you're a genius, it just plays out that way. Yeah. What can I, I mean, say? as long as your shooting locations weren't problematic, like outside in the cold wind or in the sun. Yeah, shooting behind outside. the clouds. Yeah, shooting outside in the cold sucks, as you know. You were there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, well, actually, I I was in the heated RV the whole time. So. Yeah. Um, uh, but I this remember one... that episode of Real Nerds, um, Real uh, Pod Show when we made you lay in cold water for like two hours. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> totally worth it. And his immune system has never recovered. And that ep- those that footage is gone. So totally worth it. <laughs> Aww. Uh, almost got hypothermia for that show, and. Yep, we lost it in the Universal Backlot fire. <laughs> 
So uh, <laughs> if anyone's working on uh, technology that gets old data off of me- uh, metal hard disks, uh, keep keep working on that because I would like to get that footage back. Yeah, please contact Bradley at five five five. Um, no, it's three oh three. Yeah. <laughs> And then, um, how was I going to say? Oh, yeah, the venue we had uh, was cool, but afterwards, I just we just saw all these like opportunities that we missed. Like, oh, we could have put like the these gold frames on the wall and the red curtains that we didn't get to do for the bug. And uh, but yeah, it's it's awesome. It's already got like a thousand views on YouTube. So yeah, that's what go. I've been doing, rocking it out, man. Yeah, now it's on to clearing off more of the queue. Getting yeah. that Van Damme music video done. Blu-rays. So is it now complete? Like we're finally getting that Blu-ray. Oh yeah, yeah. That's that's gonna happen before I die for sure. <laughs> Just a question of when. Well, start getting some sleep so you don't die. Yep. Wait, I have one more documentary to make about JCVDDV. They <laughs> uh, got that knob trailer to do too. <laughs> I want that like more than anything right now at this point. Like, yeah, me too. I was really hoping Ryan would be free this weekend. Uh, get a shot some of it because we really need like a television studio to finish some of it, mm. and we have like a small window to do that. So, yep. Well, here's hoping. In our film, the doorbuster is on IMDb now. So yeah, on IMDb, on YouTube, on Facebook Watch, or whatever that's called, and uh, yeah, it's actually. Amazed how many people were actually watching it and responding to it. So yeah, that's pretty cool. And like total strangers or just people you know? No, just, well, people we know, but like I've never known them to actually watch our videos and comment or like an, or leave a nice comment at all. So. Yeah, even like given the Facebook al- algorithm, I'm surprised we, it gets any attention at all. Yeah. <laughs> like, it, it, well, I mean, Facebook doesn't make any sense at all. No, I can put like something stupid up there, and it's like 400 interactions. And then we'll like put our heart and soul into something. Twenty, yeah, one, yeah. I mean, um, I don't know how. It, it's no different because I'll share stuff that you post, and for some reason it won't. Yeah, I don't know what the Facebook algorithm is. I don't know. How I it mean, works. it's ridiculous that there are people, mostly women, who do like makeup tutorials and they get millions of views. It's like congratulations, you told everybody how to blend for five minutes. But Corinne, how was I supposed to know how to do it unless that woman who was living in Arkansas taught me how to do it? YouTube is honestly <laughs> so stupid nowadays. Yeah, if you post like an image that has text on it, it like hides it. So if you just post a photo that's just nothing without text, then it actually gets more hits. Really? It's frustrating. But I also see people like passing memes around, like constantly getting tons yeah. of hits. So I don't like why. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, it sucks. I, but I, thank you for watching it and commenting on it. Appreciate it because it's hard it. hard to do. Oh yeah, no oh, yeah. Especially when I have to crawl like a dog through the snow. But <laughs> yeah, you bitch. I had to do it. You know what? It was my own fault that I had to do it twice. So yeah, get <laughs> once, it right next time. Once be again, one take, I'll Ryan. Say... Okay. Mm, that's never. I will never be that good. No, <laughs> either will I. Once and again, I, an... <laughs> I will say the seagulls gave an excellent performance. Oh yeah. I'm so so convinced by mm-hmm. their. Just their, the emotion that they showed Actually, in their brief appearance. I'll say that considering the fact that what we're trying to homage, those seagulls do look fucking amazing. <laughs> like, they do. <laughs> but yeah, fuck you, Christian Bale. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Mm. Nice try trying to uh, starve yourself so you can lose weight for this movie while we're just <laughs> making Oscar caliber seagulls. All the time. <laughs> Real news. It's real news. 
I know I have so many voices. Oldie McGeriatric over here. <laughs> New York guy. Hey, yo, let's uh, get into the real news. Southern guy. Y'all got that real news? That's all I got. God, we got like two dogs, a kid. And what about Sylvester Stallone? And... Well, you know, he's got to open up the window, I guess. <laughs> Your house is so um, crowded right now. What? We had two deaths come literally today, so we'll just get those out of the way. Uh, Rene Aubergenes. Aubergenois. Um, Aubergenois. Sorry, I do not know how to pronounce French names. Um, uh, passed away. Uncultured um, swine. <laughs> yes, I am. <laughs> I envy you. You can speak a foreign language. I fucking can. <laughs> too. Um, wait, what's the other one? Je parle français très bien. And I can speak Spanish somewhat. Okay. Right on. Cool. My grandmother can do that, too. That's why you both are better than me. Um, but just like one small much. reason. Yeah. yeah. But <laughs> thank you, Corinne. But Renee was 79 years old. Uh, you would. Uh, he was best known for being Odo on Star Trek: D Space Nine. He was also on Boston Legal. He was on Benson. Um, Benson. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the chef in Little Mermaid. Chef in Little Mermaid. <gasps> journeyman actor. Um, he was also on Murder She Wrote, Jefferson's Outer Limits, L.A. Law, Stargate. Uh, and, Stargate. And, and he was on uh, It's Always Sunny. So, um, but yeah, seventy nine years old, he will be missed. Uh, saw him in person note. like two years Only ago at Starfest, and he was Aww. literally he was literally in the the Ryan. What We Left Behind. I just keep going because he just keeps rambling yeah. and rambling. So I see if anyone. That's two actors that won't be in the DS nine season eight. Aww. Oh yeah, or they'll season have, nine. Yeah, they'll have to rearrange everything. I just want to point out real fast that I told you guys I watched Little Mermaid last week, and I forgot to mention that. So th- at the very beginning of the chef song Le Poisson or whatever, he just says a bunch of random French words. <laughs> He's just like Paris, Eiffel Tower. <laughs> That's when Disney made gross caricatures of things. <laughs> and boners in that movie. Mm-hmm. Wait, Disney cast Ryan as the chef? <laughs> totally. Pope boners. <laughs> I'm like, this you know, this castle really needs some more boners on it. <laughs> Hey, you, yeah, you see that uh, domicile for royalty there? Not enough dicks. <laughs> uh, this lady do... who works with me, her dad has the original Little Mermaid case. And so she took a picture of it and sent it to everybody. And she sent it to her mom. She's like, hey, look at this. Ha ha ha. And her mom says, I don't see it. <laughs> it's literally like the most biggest, veiniest, triumphant motherfucker ever. It's right there. <laughs> and so she put this huge red box around it. And she said, seriously? <laughs> <laughs> nope, still don't get it. <laughs> Someone needs to do a documentary of that, like poster designer. Just like get their side of the story on that one. Find him in anyway, a trailer park. R.I.P. to that guy. Uh, but then the bigger news was uh, Carol Spinney passed away at the age of eighty-five. Bigger the, news? Yeah. The fuck. I would say it's bigger news because Big Bird was a pretty big character in Sesame. Well, as long as it's a pun. Yeah. Uh, no, but. I mean, come on, it's Big Bird. Like, how many of us grew up watching Sesame Street in some form or capacity and remember Big Bird? Meh. Not everybody's watched Deep Space Nine, unfortunately. I'm just speaking for Renee Aubergine's <laughs> family. <laughs> I know they listen to this podcast and they'd be very upset that we uh, considered him a lesser actor than Carol mm-hmm. Spinney. Uh, but, I mean, they're both talented in their own way. Anyway, Carol Spinney, though, uh, you know, played Big Bird forever. And there was a documentary about him called I Am Big Bird, which is... A wonderful documentary. Um, yeah, I mean, I grew up with Carol Spinney in my life, like early childhood. So this is this is a sad loss. But he wasn't just Big Bird, though. No, he was a bunch of other characters, but that's like the that's the key one there. He wasn't so. Barney, was he? No. Okay, good. 
No, if you read every BuzzFeed article in the world, like that's apparently like he, the guy who played Barney owns a tantric sex operation. So whatever. Oh, that's right. Um, no, he also played Oscar the Grouch. So that's what I was gonna say. I'm <laughs> yeah. waiting for Oscar on that one. Yeah. Um, but yeah, who deserves a movie in the style of the Joker? <laughs> Wait, I, you love, talk- I love that SNL that SN- skit. That actually is a fun SNL bit in a in a world where SNL bits aren't that funny anymore. I would legitimately watch that movie. Yeah, it's it's fun. But yeah, eighty five Carol Spinney will be missed. Um, yeah, man. It's, uh, wonder- I don't know who they got to replace Big Bird. It's time point, for him so. to fly home. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, we got like a shit ton of trailers. <laughs> um, wh- where to begin? Uh, I mean, earlier uh, with in the, week- the most important one, Zach. Okay, uh, fine. Wonder uh, Woman riding lightning. That's pretty awesome. Okay, all right. I haven't had. To a how does it feel that <laughs> she's like riding lightning? That's pretty dope. Yeah, movie looks fun. I haven't had a chance to watch the trailer yet, so thanks for spoiling for me. Yeah. Um, uh, we also got another trailer. For oh, Steve movie. Trevor's also in it, in case you didn't know, wearing a fanny pack. But, but, he's he's dead. Dead. but he died. And and he thinks that trash cans are artistic. Yeah. And he, his character poster has a fanny pack on it. It's pretty awesome. Right on. Cool. Uh, we also got another trailer for Mulan. Uh, oh, yeah. Like, I think the movie looks cool. Yeah. Looks like it'll be fun. I think it's one of the most underrated Disney movies. Uh, a, I'm definitely going to see it. It's a good animated film. Yeah. Absolutely. Um,. We got a new trailer for the new James Bond movie, No Time to Die. Uh, that looks like a lot of fun, actually. I'm actually very excited for this Bond movie. <laughs> and I'm not the biggest Bond fan in the world. so. Um, and I, I'm i surprised that Christoph Waltz is back. So, cool. Right on. So there's something for me in there. Um, I don't get surprised because, you know, I read casting news. Well, I read cast listings <laughs> and they didn't say that he was on there. And there was no re- article that said he's going to return. There was every article that said he wouldn't return. So I guess you get better news. And you just don't do. know if he's going to appear in like a flashback or something. Well, I mean, or just an old footage, reused footage or something. I mean, the director said he was. Mm, okay. I the, the last article I read said that he wasn't returning. Um, I honestly don't care. And then uh, the last one that Why I... Why don't you not like James Bond? I I like James Bond. Well, you had like this super tired. like hardcore eye roll. You're like, fuck James Bond is what that looked like. Fuck him and his British. Honestly, you know, you love British things. I thought you would love James Bond. I I love Casino Royale. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, Quantum of Solace. It is what it is. And what were hell? What were the other ones? Skyfall's amazing. I mean, the fact that like the last movie pointed out how obsolete the character and the concept of Bond is. It just. I'm a, I'm like, why do why should I be invested in a character whose own universe acknowledges that he's obsolete? You can go money. watch because he has a go license watch to Mission kill. Impossible. It's a way better movie. Yeah, I'm not gonna argue I, with you. I, I would I would watch MI6 again over what was the last one? Spectre. Mm. Yeah, I mean I I think the uh, Daniel Craig James Bonds are the best ones. I think the other ones are ho hum. It's uh, it's just a bunch of set pieces strung together with a threadbare plot. Yeah, well that's it's an Ian Fleming novel, but <laughs> um, the uh, Casino Royale didn't feel that way. Well. You had a tight type group of people who were really trying to get that thing back on track, but I really j- judge my James Bonds on the Bond girls and how pretty they are. Oh, of course, that's the correct way. Wait, right? Remember when that was a thing during the Pierce Bronson ones? God, oh, oh yeah, they're like Halle Berry, all the way through Denise yeah. Richards. They kind of went away from that in the new ones. You notice how those names don't pop up in other casting listings as the years have gone on? <laughs> probably Halle Berry has. Well, Halle Berry, Halle Berry's yeah. awesome. 
Um, I guess Famke Jameson too. But, yep. Um, she does a lot. She does. She acts in X Men movies to support her uh, directorial things uh, hmm. and independent movies because nice. she gets paid so much money to do those. She can use it to make movies. Very nice. Um, but I mean, Corinne, have you watched Fleabag? on amazon i have not is phoebe waller bridge like she helped co-write uh, i know this what and, it is yeah uh, she helped co-write no time to die so i'm very curious to see what she does with it so if anything it's less of interest in bond to be like oh they put her on this project i want to see what this is now um and then the last trailer we got a trailer for black widow looks fun yeah looks like a lot of fun uh i'm down david harbour putting on a. I'm not familiar with what kind of suit he's wearing or whatever it's uh, he's a red guardian i mean they've changed it a lot the I'm not as well versed in um, that aspect of Marvel, but I know the Red Guardian. I'm pretty sure is a bad guy in the movie. I mean, in the comic books. Well, but I mean, this uh, 2020 shaping up to be the super heroine year. There you go. I don't yeah, know. he thought Captain Marvel was ushering in a new era. Wait till you see 2020 and the fantabulous emancipation of one Harley Quinn. Yeah, that, tra- that trailer looks. Oh, trailer is awesome. I, I cannot wait for that film. And I like Ian McGregor doing his wacky character roles right now. It's like fun to watch. I hope he turns into the real Black Mask, though. They showed the Black Mask. Oh, okay. Good. He has it. Just not in the trailer. Nice. Um, like, sucks to his face. And uh, in other news, uh, Joe Johnson's returning for a reboot of Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, which is something that he directed. So mm-hmm. that'll be interesting He's to see. He's a good see director. It. He's fun. Oh, I love Joe Johnson. But um, it'll be interesting to see a director who's done a property return to a, the property again. Because yeah. that's always a kind of a fascinating affair when they do that. Um, that's not important. The last piece of news. Uh, Ryan, you like Reno 911, right? I do. I love Reno 911. Do you want another season of Reno 911? Yeah, I'll take it. Okay, you're going to get it, but you have to sign up for that Quibi thing that you don't know what Fuck. it is. <laughs> so the episodes are going to be 15 minutes? <laughs> yeah. It's the mobile-only viewing platform. Uh, Quibi has uh, officially uh, given the go-ahead for a season seven of Reno 911. Nice. Uh, and it's... Uh, a mobile viewing platform which aims to provide episodic sh- episodic short form content that is around 10 minutes a chunk. So nice. you're getting like 10 minute episodes. Well, that's fine. Yeah. That's a good way to come back. But yeah, it's uh, Robert Ben Garrett, Carrie Kenny Silver, and Thomas Leonard are all coming back. So nice. I, I remember. I love when he gets his bike stolen all the time. <laughs> Do you, did you go to the movie in the theater? Oh, yeah. My, that was like one of those weird. I think, movie- did Brad, did you go with me? Yeah, was I think it was you like, and I. That part where like Pat Oswalt like jumped out the window. I yeah, like, I haven't seen or the rock so long. <laughs> where he uh, goes in after the grenade and blows up. Yeah, <laughs> good stuff. Yeah, I'll watch my, that I, again. My, my dad took me to see that for my birthday. Like, nice. It was a kind of uh, he he had no context for the show, so it was just me having a fun time. But that's all right. Um, but yeah, that's news. Unless I missed something. Blu-rays are coming out next week. Are we going to get any? I don't know. We'll find out. DVD releases and Blu-rays. Ryan, the list is literally everything we want, or something. Or I don't least, even I have least, no idea. At least something we want. Um, I do want to announce I that fin- family guy. I do want to announce that finally, uh, Hitchcock: The Early Years uh, is being released by Kino Lobor, so you can now pick that up at last. Warper. <laughs> Cricket, cricket, cricket. Oh, I, I was wait- Oh, I was waiting yeah. for that fun little character that Brad does, but it's not. Oh, yeah. Hitchcock <laughs> guy? I, he, the snow, he can make it up here. <laughs> okay, oh. fine. Fuck him then. Um, Boy, that's some great news. <laughs> chip, chip, cheerio. <laughs> you chimney sweep? <laughs> <laughs> it's British. Hey, Hitchcock weird. in. No, I don't want him coming in now. Now that I thought he was going away. <laughs> it's okay, Hitchcock. Um, <laughs> 
And the knock made my dogs go crazy. They're like, what? What, what the hell? Get the fuck out of here. Or crashes the sniff. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, the bigger new releases of the week are going to be Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and It Chapter 2. Two, oh, that's right. Two big ones coming up back to back. You can pick up all those on 4K and Blu-ray. Uh, it Chapter 2's got a really cool steel book. Uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood has a steel book and a deluxe edition and a deluxe edition steel book. So yeah, it's got like a weird fold-out. Like it's a shape of like a like a CD case because it's got a vinyl record. Yeah, it. that's 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 the one. That's I pretty cool. I yeah. wish I liked that movie more. Oh well, that's that's, <laughs> your, that's your problem. Um, the there's a Sh- Screen Factory's putting out the Fly Collection, which includes all the Fly films, including the Jeff Goldblum and the Fly Two that Mick Garris helped write before it was abandoned on his script. You can pick that up. Uh, uh, we are getting. Uh, the Abominable Snowman of the Himalayas from uh, Scream Factory. You can pick that up. I bring that up because that's actually one of the posters inside the Little Tin Alamo's uh, uh, bar room. Like, so it's just one that I've just never seen before. Now you can see it. Um, Twin Peaks from Z to A, which is basically Twin Peaks, the big-ass Blu-ray box set. You can pick that up. Um, I heard that's kind of a limited thing, so uh, hurry up and get it for yourself. Uh, Hustlers is coming out in 4K. Uh, Brad, did you see Hustlers? Did not. Okay, right on. Well, I Ryan uh, did. Ryan did. Ryan, did you like Hustlers? Um, you know, for a movie about strippers, there wasn't a lot of naked women in it, so no. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, but yeah, anyway, you can pick up Hustlers on 4K. Uh, there's an encore edition of The Cotton Club, which you can pick up. Uh, and uh, Kino Lobor is putting out The Nude Bomb, which is a Get Smart movie that Don Adams made back in the day. You can check that out. Um, and it uh, seems to be it. Oh, wait, no. One last thing. Shout Select is putting out the Anne Bancroft collection. I suggest you pick that out because you can get some really neat Anne Bancroft okay. <laughs> movies. And that's Blu-rays. Nice. You know, by nature of the segment, uh, it's implied that you can check all these out and pick them all out <laughs> you know by the nature of me not caring wow <laughs> you should care okay. this is a really important podcast zach <laughs> don't care well i'll get somebody who does care okay <laughs> zach yes you care about this fucking podcast i do well don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, put some effort into it. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to be uh, listening to this on my drive home. Like, I have to, you know, I can't keep on bringing everybody up. Okay, Ryan. Okay, it's Ryan. tiring. It gives me a headache. So, so, Ryan, can you tell me, in the most eloquent of ways, what you've been watching this week? So, uh, yeah, this is the stuff we've been watching. Well, Zachary. <laughs> Zachary. Zachary. Zachariah. Zachariah, can I just call you Zach? Yeah. <laughs> Jimothy. Zacchaeus. I kind of like Zachany now. <laughs> can that be my new name now? Zachany? <laughs> um, I just watched a couple things. <laughs> That's my dig at Zach. <laughs> That's when fair. Zach says, I, I watch a couple things, it's like 50. It's fair, I stole his hosting. All right, I'm going to go uh, run a couple of uh, laps around the house. Then. You're going to run, run <laughs> and out in the cold here? Like... <laughs> <laughs> it'll take me an hour it'll be all right really quickly that is something i did not it'll, expect to see snow talking. today when we came right? up here like i'm like holy god you texted us and said like it's getting shitty out there be careful mm-hmm. it yeah, was like, a minute later woof, woof. <laughs> <laughs> uh i watched uh, 1988's the blob which is a really cool movie it's um Ooh. one i've been waiting for for a while on scream factory um it's super violent and you wouldn't expect it to be 
like people constantly melt and there's I think, body parts everywhere. I think I think this is what uh, I remember. I'm remembering the same thing, but I watched this as a kid, and all I remember is one dude gets slapped by the blob and then like is flattened on the on the pavement. Yep. Is that in there? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> there's also a kid who gets eaten by it, and he it goes like under the water in the sewer. And then the blob pushes him back out, and he's like, yeah! and his face is all falling off. It's yeah, awesome. Awesome. Chuck Russell's the blob. Did uh, Does Chuck Russell get interviewed for the Blu-ray? Oh, yeah. It's Ooh, awesome. Nice. He also talks about his career. The Blu-ray is awesome. Very if nice. you have an uh, opportunity to pick it up. Get some stories about Nightmare 3 in there. Yeah. yeah. Um, he actually does talk about Nightmare 3 Ooh, well, and how, how he got the gig. Because well, that, that would have been the transition point from him getting that to getting the blob, right? Yep. Okay. The blob's budget was $20 million. Jesus Christ. I mean, when you watch it, I mean, it's pretty in well what? done. It's on the screen. Five? 88. 88. Mm-hmm. I, haven't, I haven't watched it in a long-ass time. I need to watch it. Uh, I also watched uh, Mean Girls, which Corinne lent me like six months ago. Um, <laughs> Finally. And it's, I mean, it's a fun movie. I wouldn't say it's great. Um, I don't know if I'm just not the target audience for it. Um, Everyone's the target audience. Mm, false. Um, but, I mean, it's fun. It, it's interesting going back and saying, oh, remember when Lindsay Lohan was actually a thing and she was good and stuff? Mm-hmm. I mean, Tina Fey is great in it. Um, probably my favorite character in the whole movie is Tina Fey. Um, Pretty much everybody is great. Amy Poehler. Rachel, yeah, Rachel, uh, Rachel McAdams. Rachel like McAdams, her, her, yeah. Because she did, I think, Wedding Tim Crashers. Meadows. I think after this. Like the next year. Probably. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, she kind of uh, blew up after Mean Girls. I find Amanda Seyfried to be funny as hell in that movie. Yeah, I mean, Mean Girls, uh, do I have to explain the plot to people, you think? No. There's popular girls and there's not popular girls. (laughs) And they battle each other. And they battle each other. (laughs) Yeah, some are mean to each other. (laughs) In fisticuffs. (laughs) Uh, There's a whole box of them if you want some. You know what? I'll take that back. (laughs) One of my favorite characters in that movie is Tim Meadows. Tim Meadows is really good. Tim Meadows is good. Tim Meadows is good. I'll give you that. I mean, the movie's well made. It's fun. Yeah. I just, you know, it's there. Yeah. It's so fetch. Oh, yeah, like totally fetch. Stop trying to make that happen. It's not going to um, Self-plug, you could totally read my article, Classic Cool. I finally finished it. It took me forever. Which I must commend you. That is one of the most well-written articles on the site. Oh, thanks. I haven't read it. It took me tons yet. of time to research it because I said, you know what? I'm going to put some effort into this one, not just... I like this movie because um, <laughs> I appreciate you uh, interweaving factoids and the history and really kind of showing the development of his persona like through different phases because the ranking obviously isn't going to be chronological because you're ranking it. Yeah. But you still are able to kind of weave in the discussion and kind of give a through line. So I appreciate it. Oh, thanks. Yeah. Uh, yeah I mean, because I, you know, he died 33 years ago. Yeah. So, you know, it's interesting going back and just, watching his stuff because i only saw his really popular stuff and seeing his uh transition from you could pick it up in his early stuff that he was meant for maybe more than being a supporting character mm-hmm. um but his slowly transition from that i want to say maybe the eagle and the hawk was the first really early movie of his i when i said yeah this guy can do it because he did the 30 day princess before then and it's a cute movie but um the eagle and the hawk is a movie i tell everybody to see if you um want to be surprised it's a world war one uh pilot movie mm-hmm. but it deals with uh post-traumatic uh stress disorder mm-hmm. and what it uh what the pilots go through um because a lot of people don't know you know back then they're in biplanes and so it's a lot more personal and um frederick march is uh he's this pilot he, he he's the best pilot in the royal air force and he's killing all these people and um you know everyone you know he's getting medals for it and he's 
Uh, he doesn't like it because he's also losing um, Gunners, which is um, the Hawk. So the Eagle is a flyer and the Hawk is the Gunner. And Cary Grant is the best Gunner in the in the Air Force. And he, they're just shooting people down left and right. And it's really affecting uh, him. And then when Cary Grant and him have a huge blow up, he takes this really young 19-year-old kid up and he dies. And he shoots down um, the best uh, the ace pilot for the Germans and it's a 19 year old kid. And so when he lands, he's like devastated about it. And um, I don't want to spoil it, even though the movie's almost 90 years old, but because uh, the ending's super shocking, but it's not such a classic or like a, or like a, like a well-known oh, classic yeah. that you could, that spoilers might be detrimental. Yeah. So, yeah, um, I will say though, the thing that surprised me about the ranking was that you, you got very eclectic with your top 10. Oh, yeah. Because there's some in there, like, I Was a Male War Bride is... Brilliant. It's it's known, but, like, I don't know if it's, like, it's certainly not, like, on an AFI or Oh, no, no, like no, that. no. But it's a good movie. Oh, yeah, it's amazing. Um, so, um, uh, which I finally did watch it after you watched it. Like, <laughs> it's, it's amazing. Yeah, it's it's pretty funny. Um, but, yeah. Cool. Uh, I love because Cary Grant's in drag, and he doesn't try to look feminine at all. He just looks like Cary Grant with a wig. Yeah. And he knows it, and it's really funny. Yeah. It's pretty amazing. Oh, yeah. Well, we there will be a film we'll talk about that we saw. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, I also watched Buck Privates, which is the second film in the Abbott Costello set. Yeah, And uh, it's pretty awesome. Um, a way, it's a huge step up from One Night in the Tropics because uh, they decided that, you know what? These guys are the best part of that movie. Let's give them a whole movie. Yeah. And it is a lot of um, their bits still. But they carry much more of the film. I, I love the the radio when um, so the sergeant keeps on coming in, mm-hmm. and um, Costello keeps on turning up the radio, and uh, Abbott's like, "No, turn it up! Screw that guy!" And he keeps <laughs> it's really funny. Then he um, keeps coming back, and he goes, "What's the matter? Why are you disrespect him?" <laughs> he gets uh, in a boxing. Ma- it's a really fun movie. I love that movie. It's interesting how it still weaves in. Like you still got your like boy and girl like oh, lovers yeah. got to conquer all plot. And then also in a in a third triangle of this, the Andrews sisters are like weaving in and out of that story, and it's it's They're a lot good. of fun. And it comes at a time right before it's it's before we were attacked um, at Pearl Harbor. So like the the whole conceit of the film is just kind of like poking fun at the army while also encouraging enlistment at the time. So it's it's pretty fascinating, yeah, and it's, it's funny good. as all hell. I always I, uh, <laughs> it's fascinating, you know, when you watch a movie about World War Two during World War Two. Um, I uh, got the RoboCop Blu-ray from Arrow Video, and if you're a fan of RoboCop or awesome '80s movies, or just really well-made Blu-rays, this is definitely one of them to get. I, I think I clocked because um soon this week I'll start posting my 19 favorite Blu-rays of the year. Um, I Why I think 19 because last year I did 18 for 2018, oh, so I'm just going to continue it. Okay. Because it's hard for me to pick them, so I was like, oh, 19 is nice. What happens when you get up to, like, 2032 or 2057? Yep. Well, there'll be 57 of them. <laughs> Twombly, the anniversary. <laughs> you also have Alzheimer's, so you won't yeah. remember which ones you watched all year. Back in my day. Um, <laughs> but uh, it's, I mean, they did a 4K transfer of it, and it's amazing. Um, the film has never looked better. They got rid of all the black lines, well, most of them, um, with the animated... Uh, uh, I can't remember his name. The big ED two hundred nine. Yeah, thank you. Um, and the still book's awesome. I don't know if it's still twenty two dollars at Best Buy, but it's marked down twelve dollars right now. And I I clocked the special features. I'm about three quarters of the way through, and I'm like four hours into them. <laughs> well, it gets its own disc. <laughs> yeah, 
Well, that's the first disc, so I'm not even on the second disc that has a theatrical cut and other bonus features. Um, but the first disc has all the new stuff, um, and I need to listen to uh, Paul Salmon did a commentary, and we interviewed Paul Salmon at Telluride Horror um, seven years ago, and he's a really cool guy, um, film historian. But you should totally pick that up. And the, uh, the last thing I watched, I watched with Zach. We went to the Alamo and saw Cary Grant in The Bishop's Wife. Oh, excuse me. You mean Cary Grant in X-Men Origins. <laughs> Dudley. <laughs> yeah, Dudley. <laughs> no, I mean, no, this is, a, this is actually a beautiful movie. Actually, um, before we chat about it really quickly, Ryan, I wanted to let you know, I posted a picture of us going to see, like, or my tea prior to going to the movie. And my uncle texted me something that I had no idea about, which is uh, apparently my grandfather really loved that movie. Oh, nice. It's something we never talked about because we always chatted about Casablanca and stuff. So, yeah. But um, I'm glad I revisited it then around this time of the year because um, I had seen it before, yeah, yeah, but uh, I, I did not pay attention to it. But you you had watched it more recently than oh, I Oh, yeah, yeah. So. Um, you know, it's interesting, too, because um, one of Brad and I's mutual friends, Matt Spear, is this hardcore Republican gun-toting like I hate everybody, and he posted, oh, "The Bishop's Wife is my favorite Cary Grant movie." I go really? Because hmm. it's not. It's a it's a really good movie, but you don't expect someone like that to love that film because it's really um, heartwarming and like uh, I don't know how to put my finger on it, but like you don't ex- you know Matt like hmm. I can't I don't know I, he doesn't seem like the kind of person that would like that kind of movie. Well, I think the movie's got a universal message of kindness and good feeling and i i mean i think that 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 message can universally translate throughout regardless oh yeah and, uh, i mean originally uh cary grant was cast as uh the bishop in it yeah and when he read the script he says no i want to play the angel which and- which makes much more sense because cary grant is he's that charisma needs to come through in that character in order to sell oh, that yeah. story because like it, one of the most fascinating because the the last time I had watched it was years ago when I was comparing it between that and It's a Wonderful Life because they came out in the same year and they're not the same story but they tackle similar. It was a similar. year apart. No, it's nineteen forty seven. I'll look it up. I thought it was. I'm pretty sure that nineteen. No, I think Bishop's is, Wife is forty eight. I could be wrong. I think it's forty eight though. Um, but, but anyway, they're but they're they're relatively within the same time period. But it's a wonderful life fails at the box office, but this one was relatively well received. So well, I think it's easier for people to get behind this one. Mm-hmm. Where a wonderful life, I mean, is an f- amazing movie, but it tackles more dark subjects. Mm-hmm. And and this one is, you know, hey, you you don't even realize what you have. And I I, I, I was telling Zach when we were watching it. You know, I, a little tear comes in the corner of my eye when um, the bishop is telling. So the whole movie is he's trying to get money to raise to make a cathedral because he thinks that's what he needs—a really grand cathedral. But the problem is, is that he's got a lot of things interfering with it that yeah. like, compromise his principles. But the most important thing that Cary Grant makes him realize is Dudley is it's not the cathedral is important to you; it's what you have already in your life. You have. Uh, a small church, yes, it's small, but people love that church. Mm-hmm. You have a wife that loves you. You have a daughter. And so when Cary Grant starts going on dates with his wife, um, and she tells him how wonderful you know Dudley is and things like that. And anyway, so there's this uh, come-to-Jesus moment at the end of the movie. Yeah. Hey-oh, uh, where um, 
he's explaining to Carrie uh, Grant's Dudley that he says, all I want is what you had with my wife or uh, basically telling him that I, I'm happy with my wife. And Cary Grant does this one little thing that's why he's such a great actor. He goes, ah, yeah. oh. like he just finally got it. That's the whole point of the movie is be thankful for what you have. And, and it's like, not. And he's like, well, I'm out of here. <laughs> yeah, he's like, I've done my part. Yeah. He's just um, like, the work here is done. I, I. It, I mean, I know obviously it's it's stunt skating and stuff like that, and actually the the whatever transfer they were but, showing at the Alamo, but that's still that skating scene after he like pirouettes around and then just extends his hand out. Oh, it's yeah. like one of the most beautiful iconic shots of Cary Grant ever. You know, and Brad, uh, uh, Zach and I were talking. That movie's really well directed. Oh yeah, and really well shot. The, and and you can tell. I mean, there's parts where Grant is skating and he's pretty good. The blocking's incredible. But, like he's. You know. I mean, like the, just the way things are positioned. That opening scene with the um with him leading the blind man across the street mm-hmm. is some of the most well timed like set set situations there because like you could like cut away to an angle of a car stopping in front of the camera but this one you time the car stops there they move a little closer another car comes there like i mean it sounds simple but it's hard to coordinate stuff like that and so just the way it comes through and it's all a tracking shot is pretty wonderful um, so hats off to the bishop's wife except alamo used the dvd cover for the poster yeah playing. that bothered and it's super pixelated but I don't think they were expecting a huge crowd, so I guess that's why they just didn't care. But Hey, there's 15 people there at a 4 o'clock on a Friday. I think that's a win. I mean, that's more than I ever expected. Not not because like the movie's not popular, but it's just kind of like... A weird it, time, right? It's a weird time, and it's it's technically still in the middle of the work period. So, but... Um, oh. Yeah, but it is a Christmas movie, uh, and, and it's most Christmas people who time. enjoy that movie are retired, so they're around <laughs> at four o'clock on a Friday. That's true. <laughs> oh my God, Ryan, we're retired. <laughs> <laughs> Stay off my lawn. <laughs> Zach, what else you watch this week? Oh. I just want to interject. Tickets aren't fifty cents anymore. <laughs> oh, you For the record, um, it's a Wonderful Life release date January seventh, nineteen forty-seven, mm-hmm. and the Bishop's Wife release date is. February 16th, 1948. Boom! In your face, Zach. Okay. I actually, like, I just looked it up when I watched The Bishop's Wife a couple months back or whatever. Also, that taxi driver is hilarious. Oh, yeah. Sylvester. Oh, yeah. yeah. (laughs) Sylvester. The best Um, character named Sylvester who isn't a cat. It still is strange, though, that, like, I mean, like, again, I mean, Ryan brings up a wonderful point where it's it's a wonderful life deals with darker themes, but, like, they still deal with, like, the angel element and whatnot. Mm -hmm. So I guess clearly... You know, Cary Grant's uh, persona is able to sell things way Fuck better. Yeah, because I kind of wonder, like, if they borrowed elements from "It's a Wonderful Life," or is it's that based on a book? I think coincidence. I, I yeah, wrong. but the, you, no, it is. But like, but Corinne may have a point like, in terms of just like borrowing the elements of just like, okay, what oh, yeah, worked what in saying, "It's yeah. a Wonderful Life," but what doesn't work, like, and then kind of set at Christmas, angel interferes in a downtrodden man's life. Yeah, and I mean, Cary Grant's like super handsome in that movie, and and has Jimmy Stewart and you know Cary Grant respectively, mm-hmm. both of whom were big stars at the time. Oh yeah. Well, well one's hit, one's who Hitchcock wants to be, and the other one is who Hitchcock is. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, actually, also say that if you took that movie and just called it Cary Grant does angel shit. It would still uh, sell as many tickets as it did back then. <laughs> just don't let it happen again. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, it's just it's a it's a wonderful film, and like the fact that my grandfather loved that, well, that that's much awesome. is like a testament to his ability to have good taste. But I mean, I think we should bring the Bishop's Wife back into popularity. Done. I'm, I'm tired of of all these people hyping on It's a Wonderful Life. Yeah, it's like it's it's a it's a good movie. I'm not saying we can't talk about it, but 
let's let's uh let's dial the hype back on that <laughs> and let's talk more about the bishop's wife. Let's have yeah. a twenty four hour marathon of that movie every Heck year. Yeah. Uh, Just want to see his beautiful face on TV. I more. know. Did you have any more, Ryan? No, I, oh, okay. I turned it over um, to you. Oh, yeah, sorry, enough. Zach. I no, interrupted. No, you're all good. Um, uh, not a whole lot. Um, I started my Star Wars uh, prep this week by going through the prequels. Um, I hadn't watched them in four years, and yeah, they're the prequels. I mean, <laughs> I don't really. Revenge have... of the Sith is awesome. Yeah, probably the best prequel. It, it, what? I... <laughs> That's the thing. Yeah. I I, abso- agree with I absolutely agree with you in terms of just like keep captivating my interest and just like telling an interesting story. Um, I had not watched them though on a 4K TV or like a Blu-ray or like a 1080p TV. But though. from my point of view, they all are in 4K. <laughs> I hate sand. Just gets everywhere. <laughs> I hate you. <laughs> you were no. the chosen one. No, that that moment's pretty awesome. Yeah. I think that moment's really great. There's moments in that fight that are. Amazing! I love when um, they both use the lightsaber and they're doing the same moves because they're so they've trained each. Well, Obi Wan's trained. They're Anakin. so in sync. If yeah, yeah. that's an amazing moment. If you're not with me, then you're my enemy. <laughs> Only a Sith deals in absolute. I see. I like the response. I don't like the line prior to it. But well, you have one really great actor. And then you have Hayden Christensen, who can be good. Hayden is not bad. No, he, I said he was can be given good. shitty dialogue. Here, here's, here's Everybody the, was. But from my point of view... <laughs> I can say all <laughs> Well, from my point of view, Lucas mo- wrote a space melodrama that harkens back to 30s dialogue, which is mm. not always perfect. <laughs> there are many t- melodramas from that era that are terrible, and that's why we don't rewatch them anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, but in terms of rewatching those prequels... I mean, prequels, they call it a space opera for a reason. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. Over-exaggerated. Um, but uh, uh, in two, I don't like Hayden's performance. In three, I actually like his performance much more. Um, the Because he just seems more relaxed. In two, it looks like he's doing a James Dean impression. And I never really realized that until it's like, he's doing Rebel Without a Cause or East of Eden. Like, he's He's reaching off of those like pauses, like it's Obi Wan's fault. He's jealous. The, the, He's holding me back. You just keep going. Go. My joke's actually, gone. My best, joke's gone. Keep going. Actually, the best prequel is the CG Clone Wars series, but okay. Yeah. I didn't yeah, watch them. I didn't watch them all. Oh. Uh, but yeah, no. I mean, I will say though that the special effects on Episode One. I finally, I, any spell that was on there was broken for me because, I mean, Jar Jar just looks terrible. Um, and the CGI environments at the Battle of Naboo just, I, I could finally start seeing like how this looks like a CGI from the 90s, clearly. But it held out longer than I ever thought it would because I watched that film as far back as like four years ago or eight years ago and it looked okay. But the first time that I noticed it, it just looked like terrible um, i feel like there are slightly more practical sets in episode one than there are in episode two and definitely there are as you can watch the special features <laughs> um i watched it pretty uh, uh, i evident. mean it's like every shot in two has like a green screen element mm-hmm. in it um i in re-watching a documentary on uh the prequels they said that there was actually way more environments in two and three than people realize it's just that there is a lot more green screen by comparison so like he never stopped using the practical it's just like at some point like stuff got way more basically anytime they're on coruscant or uh what was the ocean planet camino 
Oh yeah, yeah. Come in. I mean, like Tatooine is definitely relocations. And, but... re- and remember, if they want more troops, it will take more time. I don't know if Geonosis. I'm. I mean, the factory is definitely CG, but I don't know if the arena is practical in any way. I'm. I think there are probably some practical elements in there, but the majority of Geonosis is probably CGI environment. I'm especially those landscapes where they're falling into deserts and like the only practical the thing is just like a, yeah. yeah. The only thing that's practical is a big pile of sand. That she could fall on, um, but uh, but yeah no. So I went through those. Uh, Kellen says, "Be quiet, Zach." Okay, <laughs> that's totally fair. I'll go away. Because, um, my, because because I can't hear the TV. Uh, gotcha. <laughs> yeah, he needs to watch his dumbass YouTube channel. <laughs> <laughs> Is this the one where the kid opens presents or something? No, so this is a new one. It's Jillian and Addie. It's called Baby Teeth Four, and I and it's these girls. And they go, Addie. What's that over there? Beat cut. I don't know, Jillian. Is it a pumpkin? Beat cut. I don't know. Let's go check it out. Beat cut. Is it really a pumpkin? Beat cut. Yep. Did you just describe something that is worse than the prequels? Because I think you just did. The prequels aren't that bad. No, no, no. That's worse than the prequels by comparison. Like, yes. Yes. Okay. Um. Uh, let's see. Um, I went back onto the Hitchcock study bandwagon and I rewatched Strangers on a Train, and that movie still fucking rocks. Uh, Robert Walker and uh, Farley Granger are just incredible to watch in that movie. Um, specifically, Robert Walker, just his unhinged, like when he reaches out to strangle the old lady and just looks at Pat Hitchcock's character and just. Spoilers. Having, you haven't watched Strangers on a Train yet? Nope. That's a classic you need to watch. Um, but yeah, if you. I mean. I don't even know if I should pitch it to you. Just watch it blind. I'm not even going to pitch that pit plot to you. But you've seen Strangers on a Train, right? I have. It's yeah. great. It's wonderful. Um, and I, I, the big, the opening shot of it may be one of my favorite Hitchcock openings because it's just cross cutting of two different sets of feet approaching the same point of the train station. It's just simple but beautiful. I, I loved it. But um, I'm getting back on that bandwagon. I got a couple more to rewatch before I record another episode, which hopefully will be with you. Oh, that's right. That's me. And uh, and then we'll be doing uh, another one with Aaron Pendergast, where I believe we'll be talking Strangers on a Train and Shadow of a Doubt. So that'll be fun. Nice. Um, and then the last thing that I watched was I saw Parasite at the Alamo prior mm-hmm. to The Bishop's Wife. Uh, talk about a weird double feature day. All right. Um, uh, Brad, did you already talk about Parasite at any point on I the did. show? Um, but you shouldn't, because I haven't seen it. I heard you can't I'm yeah. spoil oh, it. That's what I said. Oh, I'm my... not spoiling <laughs> it, because uh, you already told me you didn't see it. Um, it does make it hard to talk about it, though, because I do want to talk about that. Spo- the, the, that's why you don't spoilers. remember me talking about it. Yeah, but... Uh, <laughs> you got it, nominated for Best Comedy at like some award thing. It is comedic. It is funny. Yeah. It's also not funny. But, like, it's it's... You're laughing at dark shit. Uh, it's a movie about class struggle or class warfare, essentially. And I, I'm i amazed at Bong Joon-ho's ability to recreate uh, settings and scenery and art direction that remind me of a 30s expressionist film from Germany. like Or like freaking like M by Fritz Lang or... Caligari where like there's stuff that's shot in the slums of South Korea that just look like they were built on a Hollywood set back like 80 years ago like it just just the way it feels um the performances are astounding it's a two hour and 10-ish minute movie that keeps you hooked and it never feels like it's dragging like it that story keeps you hooked regardless of your 
interest level at the beginning point. Like, there's no way you. It's not that you. There's no way you won't like the movie, but there's no way that you won't want to know what's happening next. Um, I would say the surprise comes just as I was starting to lose a little interest. That's so. fair. That's fair because it does get a little bit. They get a little but too I th- comfortable. I think it might be by design. Yeah. Well, because it because it propels that suspense and that twist a little bit better, and once you get past a certain point, the tension in the room is always palpable. Like. There's never a point where you're not like on the edge of your seat. And it's weird that it's 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 amazing that it's coming from in this day and age from a movie that is literally like there's no CGI, there's no, you know, like action sequences with there or anything. It's not a killer running around in a mask. It's straight up a human situation. But the tension is so palpable and like I appreciate when a film like that absolutely hooks you that way. Um, so yeah, you, if Parasite is still at your theaters, check it out. That that movie's incredible. Um, it's one of the best films I've seen this year, hands down. And that's all I watched this week. Bradley isn't ready, Corinne. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I saw three things. I, I've been playing the Friday Thirteenth game. It's a lot of fun. Nice. Uh, uh, Killing foos. Little. I'll probably never play the online mode again because online players are garbage. Yep. Holy shit. I was not prepared for that. Um, but yeah, so the movie that I watched, uh, I got to see The Irishman at the Esquire. And yeah, if I hadn't seen it at the Esquire, I probably would have not made it through it at home. Because <laughs> <laughs> of just the length and stuff? It's just, uh, like, it just forced my attention to be on it the whole time. Mm-hmm. Um, I also had my phone buzzing off like 20 times during the movie, so. I wanted to check it right. more than I wanted to watch the movie at times. That's fair. Um, but I didn't, obviously, because I was in the theater. Right. Um, but um, it's it's a, it's a good movie. Mm-hmm. Um, the more interesting part was, like, is this actually based on someone's memoir? It is, but there's debate about whether or not this guy's full of shit or not. Yeah, because the most interesting parts are where they tie all these things in history to kind of, like, one overarching... Um, like Illuminati level. Yeah, the within the Buffalino. Yeah, yeah. That, their whole um, crime syndicate. Well, which seems totally plausible, right? Um, so like that was interesting, but everything else seems pretty much like your traditional mob movie that you've seen before, especially from Martin Scorsese. So, uh, and then the 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 de aging actually didn't look so bad, but also like it was blown up, and I was farther back. Right. So well, that um, actually might be a good good way to watch i just watched it up pretty close and there was only one shot where it bothered me yeah this the one that the only one i really noticed it on was the one that they use for the advertising of us with robert de niro's on the phone mm-hmm. um so that's the only one that stood out as like wow that's clearly cgi right everything else was and it was fun seeing joe pesci again uh in a role that's like really just kind of normal yeah it's um, modulated right yeah. it's not it's not him running around with a freaking knife stabbing people in trunk car trunks like yeah he's not heightened it's just he's probably the most down-to-earth measured character in the movie uh al pacino as um jimmy hoffa jimmy hoffa like i felt really bad when he got shot at the end <laughs> whoa spoilers <laughs> <laughs> is, is that is... well i guess the fe- like in, it's it's not a spoiler that hoffa's gone yeah it's I, more I, of just like I sat through the movie thinking, like, oh, this is a story about the disappearance of Jimmy Hoffa. It is. Because they haven't solved it. Well, it is. And they're is. making, like, an idea of, like, oh, this is what might have happened. 
Yeah, because again, again, his memoir is it's contested. There are people who contest it, and the fact is, is that Jimmy Hoffa theories run rampant. So having an answer seems convenient, but you never know. Um, I, I, for me, the movie was like the the importance about whether or not it was true or not was kind of irrelevant. The yeah. point of the movie was more of like. What's the consequences of these guys growing old, mm-hmm. and or, or like just what are the consequences of their lifestyle? Like Anna Paquin's character is very important because it represents the fact that he's despondent from his family. Mm-hmm. Um, but and also like I mean I don't know if you noticed, but the it, the movie's not that violent. Like it's the violence is very distant for the most part. Yeah, it's as violent as any other movie. Um, but yeah, it's that whole like growing old and you know. <laughs> Amassing all this wealth from all these criminal acts that they've done and like alienating their families, like I, I got it. So the ending, which kind of goes on and on, of showing him just growing older and older, and then his family kind of abandoning him, I was kind of like, okay, I get it. Let's just wrap it up. It's been like three hours. <laughs> so, um, but again, I was I was like really like I got to find out if people are like wanting me to do edit changes. Um, so, but otherwise, yeah, it was fine. It wasn't like the best thing I've seen all year, but it was. I, I I would definitely only watch in the theater. Yeah, I'm amazed they kept it around as long as they did. And that it's still there. Tried to, yeah, I know. Yeah. I'm I'm very tempted to go this week with my dad because he wants to see it in a theater. He doesn't want to watch it on Netflix. Yeah. So. Actually, funny thing. Um, I got there and, um, the the clerk behind the counter is like, "Oh yeah, you come to midnight's a lot." And then they rang up my my popcorn and soda total, and it was like minus the ticket. It's like, oh, I think you'd made a mistake. I've only you forgot to charge me for the ticket. I'm like, oh, you, you come here all the time. You're fine. Nice. So I saw the Irishman for you, but I didn't get a ticket for it. So now my ticket binders <laughs> minus Irishman for the year. Ah, so, so there's no proof that you actually. Yeah. Except for the photos I took of me. So how do I know that he didn't watch it on Netflix <laughs> and he's just fucking with me? <laughs> also, uh, I lift up the armrest at the Esquire. So I like a couch. I just like laid side for hours. <laughs> It's pretty comfortable. That's what I used to do that for the AMC seats before they started changing them, like back at like what ten years ago when it's just like they still had that row lineup and whatnot. Yeah, um, I was gonna say uh, that if you watch, if you end up watching again for whatever reason, like I'm curious to see if that CGI, how long it will hold up. Like if you were to look, like let's say, like watch it in another ten years after television's updated. I probably won't watch it again in ten years. No, no, <laughs> not the whole movie, but just like clips of it to see the de aging and yeah, to it, see if it still works. It's always amazing things I was convinced that looked good, you know, ten years ago don't hold up. Yeah. But. Anyway, uh, the next thing I saw was Dial Code Santa Claus, which if you've been to the Alamo, <laughs> sometimes they show snippets of it to yeah. advertise other movies, especially holiday films. So it's a French film where it's totally insane. There's this kid. It's basically a cross between Home Alone and Die Hard. Um, or I guess Home Alone and Rambo. Nice. Um, there's this kid. Um, his mom works for this uh, big sales company. It's like a department store that sells like everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and they live in this crazy mansion um, with uh, her and his grandfather. And his grandfather's basically like the grandfather from Willy Wonka, where he just like stays home all the time and, you know, um, in bed. So the kid, uh, while his mom's at work, just like pretends to be Rambo in the mansion all day. Um, 
So he has all these booby traps for the dogs that he traps. Um, uh, there's like secret passages within the mansion that he's like slides through. Um, and so his mom goes to work and then there's this like creepy, there's this creepy dude running the streets, like trying to play with kids. Um, like he sees these kids having a snowball fight and he's like, Oh, that looks like he, he never has any like real dialogue, but you just see on his face, like, I'm going to go play with these kids. He picks up a snowball, walks in the middle of the snowball fight and all the kids scatter and he gets really upset. And then he starts sad, sad. Then he starts wanting the, the, I assume Paris, uh, it's, it all all feels like it's all on a soundstage, even like the outdoor stuff. Um, so he, then he wanders into the department store where the kid's mom works and tries to get a job as a, as a Santa Claus. Cause he's like, Oh, if I'm Santa Claus, then kids will have to play with me. And then he does the whole like meet Santa Claus thing. And this girl sits down with him. And then she's like, got this look of like, I don't like you. And like, you're not Santa. And then he punches that girl, <laughs> obviously gets fired. Um, and then has a grudge against, uh, the store and obviously the mom who runs it. So he hijacks a delivery truck because uh, the mom has like a ton of this kid's super rich, like all the presents you could ever have. He hijacks the truck and gets through the gate and infiltrates the house, kills the two uh, caretakers of the property, and then tries to track down the kid. And so the rest of the movie is what feels like three hours <laughs> of stalking this kid throughout this, you know, mansion. That's it's a French film. It probably was. Yeah. Well, um, wait, Martin Scorsese directed it, right? <laughs> yeah. Um. And it's so weird, uh, you know. It's it's that's very much where like it's Home Alone, and you expect the kid to be super heroic, but a lot of times he just gets his ass kicked or starts crying. Um, but then there's like weird montages; they're almost like out of Rambo, where he's like actually like sharpening knives and like putting a suit on, and then. Uh, but then it's disappointing because he'll build like this really cool like grenade bomb instead of a train that you wind up and like shoot at the uh, this guy, and then like it just like like false detonates and you're like, Oh, <laughs> like nothing came of this whole sequence. And then it, like, there's a weird like eighties rock song nice. for one of the montages about Jesus. Um, <laughs> it's so weird. And then, um, it's got, like a, it's got like a bloody violent ending. It's, <laughs> and then the kid, uh, like early on in the movie, the mom says like, don't stay up, uh, you know, all night. Cause then Santa won't want to come and you know, like, you'll make him upset. And obviously this, this bum who dressed as Santa, um, you know, by the end of the movie, he's like, I'm sorry, I stayed up late and made Santa angry at me. So it's, it feels like a cautionary tale for kids <laughs> to not, like, stay up. Oh, oh yeah, and then uh, the first thing he does when he finds the kid who's, like, waiting by the, the phone for his mom to call uh, before he goes to bed. Um, so the kid's, like, under this table, and he's watching, like, he sees the Santa legs come out of the chimney and start walking around. He's like, oh, cool, he's here. And then the dog shows up and starts growling. Like, why is the dog growling at this guy? And the dog starts fighting with the guy. And then the guy stabs the dog in the jugular. And they actually kill the dog in the movie. Oh wow. It's like, this isn't going to be fun. It's guts. Like, is it, like, graphic when they kill him? Or yeah, I guess there's blood and everything everywhere. Wow, that's not yeah. even a step that Halloween would take. Like, Halloween just shows a dog, like, kind of limping to the ground. Yeah. Well, making movies, I was between, like, don't kill the dog in the movie because you'll alienate the audience. But it's French, so, like, yeah, they don't care. <laughs> Um, what year is it? They're from? edgy. It's eighty nine, I think. Wow. Yeah. Okay. But it's yeah. Do they are they playing it again? Like, uh, right right now, no, I don't think so. They just keep showing the ad like in front of films. But yeah, I think they played it twice. 
I saw the second one. Okay. But yeah. I'm sure they'll bring it back what next was the year. What name of that movie we saw, Video Vortex, where it was like the little black kid and he was... Uh, they always show oh, in the pre- uh, Phoenix something. Uh, Jackson? I think it's it like Phoenix Jackson or yeah. something. That movie was fun. Yeah. Joaquin Phoenix. Yes. Joker. You guys are talking about what Joker. That? Oh, no. That was funny, though. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, so that that was, that was River Phoenix. It's not nearly as fun uh, as the like the little snippet dead. you get at the Alamo. It's more of a slog, mm-hmm. um, but it is kind of amusing in some places, just like how bad it is. Like the acting's, you know, it's it's a different culture, so the emphasis on certain words is just funnier. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So and then the last thing I saw was amazingly so bad it's great is Tammy and the T Rex. Uh, you went last night, didn't you? Yeah. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> Bueno and I were going. Like we were literally on our way, and we just got tired. And what a bunch of bitches! I know we are bitches. I totally agree. God. How was this film? It was great. God. Like if Vinegar Syndrome's website wasn't down, I would have bought it already. Oh my god! Um, it's in 4K, which is crazy. Uh, but anyway, so this is a movie from like 1983. It's got Paul Walker in it, nice. Denise Richards, um, Terry Kaiser who played Bernie from Weekend at Bernie's, and, and Friday Thirteenth. Well, he's <laughs> Dr. a Bernie. Cruz. <laughs> Dr. Cruz, yeah. Um, Shitty Dr. Cruz. <laughs> so I'm pretty sure this movie knows that it's f- incredibly stupid yeah. and ridiculous. Um, there's a mad, sir- mad scientist played by um, Terry Kaiser um, who has like, you know how Lex Luthor had like uh, the female like henchman? Mm-hmm. So he's got like her and then he's got a bodybuilder like Arnold Schwarzenegger as one of his other henchmen and then like a little like uh, like Weasley mad scientist guy who isn't as crazy as him, but he's like willing to do all the, the crazy experiments that they're going to do. And so he creates a robotic Tyrannosaurus, which as you would, yeah, which is really detailed and probably is the most expensive thing in the movie. I assume because it looks like it, like a leftover animatronic thing from Jurassic park hmm. that they like hijacked from the universal hmm. lot. They stole it from the garbage. Yeah. <laughs> Stan Winston's like, Hey man, where's our other hero dinosaur prop? <laughs> yeah. So, he builds this thing. They store it, but um, his henchman who programmed it—it's—it's it's too robotic. So they want to get a human brain to put in it. Um, advanced science, and I don't know. Somehow it's going to help humanity. This experiment. Yeah. Uh, and I then know the human brain always helps out humanity, right? <laughs> yeah. And then Denise Richards and Paul Walker—they're <laughs> um, just kids in high school. Uh, <laughs> Paul Walker's been trying to put the moves on Denise. Right. But she's got a boyfriend already who's like a street tough and he has a gang. Uh, also, Paul Walker's got to prove himself to Denise Richards. He doesn't. Uh, he likes her. He She knows he like uh, likes him. But for some reason, he, she won't leave this shitty boyfriend <laughs> who <laughs> is introduced to us in the movie by he sees them walking together. He gets in his face and then they grab each other's dicks and they <laughs> <laughs> until one of them they clench until one of them lets go and then the police show up and try to separate them and they still won't separate each other and <laughs> and they keep holding on until finally the police really just rip them apart and then you find out Paul Walker was wearing a cup the whole time and he was faking it and so the <laughs> boyfriend is like so pissed off he threatens to murder him 
And they haul him <laughs> off to jail to get processed, and then he's back out the next day. Man, you beat me a chicken. <laughs> I'm going to kill you. <laughs> but the whole fight was so traumatizing that Denise Richards runs off, and then later that night, Paul Walker's just laying in bed thinking about like how he blew his chance, and then she calls him, and she's like, you know what? Today was crazy, and I think we can get past it. I'm really sad right now. Can you come over? So he comes over. <laughs> he's really excited, but then these she tells him to sneak up the trellis to get up to her window. And as he does that, these two other like mean girls from high school drive by and see it. And they're like, Oh, we got to call her boyfriend and let her know this is happening. Stir up some shit. Wait, oh. Why does he have to climb the trellis? Why can't he just go in the house? Oh, cause her parents are, are home and she doesn't. Uh, yeah. He, yeah. Oh wait, is she in like in high school or something? Yeah. Oh my this, this is all high school. There's a whole high school oh bullshit my. drama. Wow. Yeah. So they call the boyfriend. He immediately drives over this like whole posse, like almost everyone from high school, really. <laughs> like there's four cars that show up. Also, she tells him, uh, she tells Paul Walker, "Don't park in front of the house, or else my dad will see you." So he drives up to the driveway and crashes remember, into a light pole. No, he <laughs> <laughs> knocked it out of the park. That's a good one. He he pulls up to the driveway. Remember, and then suddenly remembers what she told him, and then just backs up to the uh, like the end of the driveway like right before you get to it it's like yeah her dad would totally still see him so stupid so he's not even trying at this point to yeah be it's like he doesn't park a block away he just like doesn't park in the driveway if he thinks he blew his chance earlier i think he's just doubling down on it at this point yeah so anyway her boyfriend shows up they just the dad's like what's going on outside and just like goes to the door uh, opens it like all the gang guys run in run up the stairs like just dis- disregard the parents um, Paul Walker escapes out the window, but not fast enough to like get away. So obviously, they get to Denise's room. Uh, they're like, "What's going on? Like, where did he go? Like, you just missed him." And then he goes outside. They ch- like, there's this whole foot chase, but they chase him in cars, and then they capture him, throw him in the trunk, take him to the to the city zoo, and dump him in the lion pen. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And there's like panthers and a full on lion mauls him. <laughs> So then he gets car to the hospital, and they're like, oh, he's in critical condition, but he's like, no scratches on him. <laughs> he's just in a coma. <laughs> and then Terry Kaiser shows up because uh, one of the other doctors tipped him off like, yeah, we have a, a comatose guy in here ah. uh, you might, who might be useful for whatever experiment you're going on. Now the plot's coming together here. And Terry Kaiser's pretending to be like an up-and-up you know, doctor, <laughs> so that's why he's able to get away with it. And he, he walks into the hospital smoking. <laughs> <laughs> well, that would have been a pro. That would have been like okay at the time, like ninety three. I 93? think they'd banned it by then. Really? Okay. Yeah. Huh. Anyway, so yeah. The <laughs> anyway, so yeah, he puts on this whole show to like trick Denise Richards into thinking that he's actually dead. They they kidnap the body, um, take it back to the lab, cut his head open, and there's like a, this extended sequence that's like out of RoboCop two, <laughs> where they have this like fake. Paul Walker head dummy <laughs> um, and a bandsaw, I guess, or a jigsaw. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, so they, they transplant the, the brain and they just take the brain out of, like there's no brain stem or eyes attached to it. They just take this fake brain out of the skull and then drop it in this like jelly bowl yeah, or punch bowl um, and then connect a bunch of wires to it and then the T-Rex comes to life. and But it's still like booting up so they 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 store it in the back room and then try to dispose of the body but it comes to life too early Ooh. and kills the two assistants and then goes on a rampage uh and tracks down this like 
uh, college party that Denise Richards was at, and coincidentally the boy, the boyfriend too, um, and just goes on a murder spree, killing all the gang members, and then he it chases her home, um, and then kidnaps her and takes her to a barn on a farm somewhere. And there's a scene of like Paul Walker trying to communicate through the T-Rex that like I'm Michael. <laughs> and so it's like playing a like a charades game where it has like its two little fingers and she's actually understanding it. She's like what are you trying to it's like glassy, you know? Like Yeah, yeah, what are you no, trying exactly. to say? like bark bark dog in the well. Yeah. Yeah. And then the movie's also like really homophobic cuz there's this uh black kid who's gay. Um and then his dad is the sheriff and the sheriff he has these two bumbling deputies like goofball deputies and there's two instances where they make fun of his gay son like the two deputies say like i forget what it's in reference to but they're like you know don't bend over <laughs> um and then also they try to say the f word <laughs> mm. while they're driving and they cut themselves off like we know we're not supposed to be saying this about him but and i was like wow that's Fuck. not cool the other no, one the other yeah one. um it's a problem in Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure too. So anyway, <laughs> for, for the rest of the movie, Denise Richards is there is and him are trying to find a new body for Paul Walker because eventually they're like, oh, we got to get his body back. Um, so they go to the funeral, which is hilarious, um, and they know he's uh, he the, like the T Rex is just like outside the cemetery, like watching everything go down, and everyone giving a eulogy for him. Is he at a distance? He's at a distance, but Denise, oh Richards, Denise Richards can see him, and she'll, like, periodically while the the pastor or whatever is uh, talking about him, she'll, like, look over at the T-Rex, and the T-Rex will be actually crying. <laughs> <laughs> like, water out of it, this animatronic T-Rex, uh, and, like, Wait, wiping its tears. how big is this T-Rex? Like, a T-Rex size. Like, there's a, it's a model, but it's, like, blown up, and that, well, there's the one for, like, when it's walking, it's, you know, stop motion, but then there's, like, just a, a static you know, full size animatronic one where the head just moves. And that's the one that's like peering through the trees. Like everyone else in the cemetery should be able to see it. But only Denise Richards is like communicating with it. He's just lamenting like his entire loss in life. Yeah. Just tears streaming down. They turn into raindrops on yeah. them. <laughs> and then they, tr- they wait for everyone to like leave the ceremony so they can open up the casket, which is just, you know, those big like boxes that they carry speakers and music gear in for mm-hmm. concerts. Yeah. That's the coffin <laughs> <laughs> that they like put flowers on. Uh, so they open it up and surprise, like his body is decomposing and has maggots all over it. So they got to go f- to the morgue and like steal someone else's body. And the first, the movie is just trying to do that while Terry Kaiser is trying to track them down and get the T-Rex. And um, she falls in love with him as a T-Rex. And it's a, yeah, the acting is terrible, and it's so goofy. To be fair, if Paul Walker were a T-Rex, I would have tried to come on to him. So, you know, I mean, in a sense, it's accurate. Yeah. But no, this movie sounds ridiculous. I yeah. can't wait to watch it. It's like the room level bad, but so funny. Oh, good. Yeah. So um, I assume he gets a new body at the end. Nope. Nope? Okay. <laughs> Ooh, cur- cursed to be a T-Rex forever? Okay, well, does he die? It's it's not a movie you need to like worry about spoil. So they kill the t like the police show up at the barn and just obliterate the T Rex by shooting it a bunch of times. Because <laughs> um, uh, he uh, like uh, Terry Kaiser shows up to capture him, but then I don't know, like uh, he wasn't afraid of the T Rex at all. So Paul Rocker just slices his belly open and all of his guts fall out, 
And the level of gore in this is like they're just holding the guts, so they just cut to it and they just drop the gun. <laughs> <laughs> and then he falls over. Um, there's parts where like the head will come down and like grab the scientist and like rip the head off. This is also like the gore cut, so I guess the theatrical version wasn't this violent. Yeah, that's, um, yeah, because that's why they were doing this in the first place. There's a one part where the the, the street toughs hide under their car, and then the T Rex just steps on the car and squishes them. <laughs> and then the, the cops show up. They're like, "Oh man, that's so gross." Um, never seen anything this this horrible. Um, yeah, it's it's so much fun. Like as soon as the website gets fixed, I'm gonna buy it. Nice, nice. Well, it might be on Amazon too. So it's not. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, you can only order it through their website. Hmm. Yeah, it sucks. They had a Black Friday sale, mm. and that's obviously over, but it would be nice to buy that while that was going on. Yeah. So. I was just wondering whether Paul Walker got an upgraded body. Oh, that's right. Yeah, no. Uh, so after the, the T-Rex is dead, they just cut away, and then they uh, the scene reemerges in Denise Richards' room, and there's like she's talking to a video camera mm-hmm. that's attached to his brain in the punch bowl again. And then, uh, you know, he's, uh, she's like, so are you ready for your big surprise, baby? And then she does like, uh, the finale of the movie is, uh, I think like a one to two minute scene of her stripping down to her underwear and just dancing for the camera. I'm like, mm. this director's kind of a creep. <laughs> Hot. It's like, we just added this scene cause I wanted to see you in her underwear type of thing. He yeah. starts out looking like Paul Walker gets transformed into a T-Rex. And then at the end. He's just he like, looks like Colin for like, oh baby, you're teasing me. You gotta find me a new body right away. <laughs> and it just ends. <laughs> I can't take it anymore. Yeah. That's all I watched. Right on. That was a really long one, sorry. Corinne? Well, I don't feel like I need to see Tammy and the T Rex now. Oh you do. It's way <laughs> it's way funnier than I described. So I went and saw F- Frozen Two again. I liked it better the second time around. I think now that I knew what the hell was going on the whole time, um, it just kind of sank in a little bit better mm-hmm. rather than like the first time you watch it, you're trying to like figure out what the F is going on. But this time you're like, oh, OK, like I see kind of how that fits in and that's why that happened. And oh, I missed that detail the first time. So and the second time you just let it go. Because there's no longer uh, you're not wondering what's into the unknown. So you're good to go. And the cold doesn't bother you anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Into the unknown. <laughs> That's a great song. It is a great song. Not as good as I liked, I liked all the songs more this time around. Like, I liked Into the Unknown and the whatever the one she sings at the glacier is, mm-hmm. which I couldn't remember what it was. I was calling it Uta Hagen earlier today, which is a Pocahontas to reference. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a shit movie. Anyway, <laughs> um, so yeah, Frozen 2, um, it's a good movie. I'm still a little confused on some of the story elements. Um, I still don't understand like her connection to the Valhalla or whatever the hell the glacier's <laughs> name is. Like, crap, it's going to bug me until I think of she it. she become a warboy? Ice. <laughs> it's like... Sub-Zero. All the... I don't remember. It's all the Tola... Northern Lights. <laughs> I don't remember either. Jack Frost. Um, so there's that. Um, I also went and saw Last Christmas. Nice. Oh, finally. Yeah. Um, How sexy is Henry Golding in there? So sexy. Absolutely. Wonderful. He wears the same clothes throughout the whole movie, though. <laughs> but there's a reason for that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, when I saw the trailer, I remember people on Twitter. 
Twitter, I think, were like speculating about like, oh, da, 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 like that, like he's in, gonna end up being like an angel or a ghost or you know something like that. And mm, kind of I was both. like, I was like, yep, <laughs> yep, yep. So I asked my sister to be direct with me, and she's just like, this is what it is, and I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> I mean, I think it's a good movie. It's it's it, it it you have to know what it is going into it. You can't expect like the best Christmas movie ever. No, it's it's like one of those movies that's fun it's, to watch. I, I described it as the best and highest budgeted Hallmark movie there is. Because <laughs> especially toward the end, when they kind of like wrap everything up and they're like, life is super awesome now that she's not a dick anymore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. Yep. Yep. So it's very, it, it feels very Hallmarky by the end, but... um. It's a good movie. It's well made, and I think it has some interesting, like, side plots and like little elements that kind of keep coming up about more topical issues and not just like Christmas and you know, it's, stop it, being a dick to other people. It's Paul Feig, so I'm gonna check it out eventually. I just like it kind of came around, and I was like, oh, that's already out. Um, okay, and then just can't find time to go see it. But. Um, I saw it at the very last showing at my local Regal. There was three other people in the theater with me, and that was it. So it's not grabbing a lot of numbers. No. Not anymore. I mean, it's been out for a month. It so. made more than the Playmobil movie. <laughs> I don't think that was the hardest accomplishment in the world. <laughs> <laughs> Number one this week. <laughs> um, I also, I for whatever reason, watched Castlevania on Netflix. Seems an odd choice for you. I know. <laughs> I was like, why am I watching this? But it was just like good enough that I kind of had to keep going at least the first so Castlevania is um it's animated like three episodes <laughs> uh, yeah so it's based on the video game Castlevania it's Netflix TV series animated um it's almost kind of like in the anime style but I'm not entirely sure if it is anime or what or if they just got like a Korean animation studio to draw it for them it's which madhouse actually work, work. we are slaves <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, so there's two seasons. They're getting a third. The first season's four episodes long, and the eight or the second season's eight episodes long. And each episode's about twenty two to twenty four minutes. So I mean, it moves pretty fast. I binge watched the entire season or the entire series in a day. Um, but yeah, it's just it's the first season. I didn't really like it as much, just because it felt very much like a animated version of a video game. But the second season, it feels like a TV show. And you actually get to, like, spend more time with the characters. And I think they they recognize, like, the plot lines that are more interesting because they focus on them more. And the more kind of basic and, like, this is just a thing that has to happen, but we don't need to focus on it a ton. Like, they they understand that. So it comes up occasionally, but they know where the drama is. So, but I'll watch season three probably whenever it comes out. Richard Armitage is in it, so that was one of the reasons I was like, uh, I should probably keep going because Richard Armitage is awesome. <laughs> he does a great job. Oh, yeah. He should probably do more voice work. I think he's he's cut out for it. I agree. I don't know if he's Get. done a lot of it before. I don't remember him in anything like, I mean, but, but keep in mind, like, I didn't even know there was a Castlevania TV show until just now, so... Check it out. It's on Netflix. 
And then finally, I also watched the latest episode of The Mandalorian. Cool. Um, I was kind of disappointed with it. I don't want to say too much because I don't want to spoil it for anybody like Brad who hasn't watched the show yet. But um, it, it leans really heavily on elements that I wish they wouldn't. Like, I wish they would go, like, kind of in this direction, which the previous episodes have done a pretty good job of doing. And they kind of went in that direction. And I was like, oh, really? You have to do this to me? I need to get, I just, I need to just get Disney Plus now. I really want to watch this show. Ryan, are you watching it? Because you have Disney Plus. I am. I watched it last night. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah, no, I liked it. The world is, is well enough established. In it, I mean, I, I, you can definitely see how it's going to be. Um... Well, people keep bitching about, oh, it's going to be self-contained episodes every time. I'm like, I don't have a problem with that. I mm-hmm. actually don't mind that they're doing it. It's just you either, with, when you have episodes like that, there either needs to be a plot element going on or a character element going sure. on. And this last episode, you didn't really have. Is it either. eight episodes this season? I don't know. I don't eight know how ten. many episodes. So we're on five. Yeah. Yeah. Seems like they're setting up more stuff. Oh, this show is going to get like 800 billion seasons. <laughs> yeah. And I will awesome. watch all of them. It's going to be great. Guys, we won't be around for the season finale if it gets that many. <laughs> so. oh, we'll be there. <laughs> you got the life elixir. <laughs> Just transfer your brain into a Tyrannosaurus Rex and you'll live yes. forever. Yeah. That's our. That's how we are able to go on and keep watching movies. We just put our brains in T Rexes, and then they'll just like that. digitally insert a T Rex in the background of you know the Force Awakens. Like, oh look, there he is. <laughs> There's you the know, Mandalorian. <laughs> I do like Star Wars, but it could use more T Rexes. <laughs> Everybody I mean, use more T-Rex. You know, I like the, the Godfather, but, but think it could about use a T-Rex. It, like, this new, uh, the new one, the Rise of Skywalker, it has like furry horses. Why couldn't they have like something that looks like T-Rexes but isn't? Space dinos. As Space long as they're not, yeah. As long as it doesn't go into dumb world like the like the Transformers dinos do or whatever the heck it is. Like I don't know. So we I saw the are, fourth movie. It's so weird that people are hung up on the like furry horses thing because there's like. T- tiny bears already in the universe I'm and there's like there's like ram llamas i'm just saying in general like yeah. i've heard that criticism so much like uh space horses like j james has ruined the, the series even further but who, like who, who's who's bitching about space horses uh, it's a, it is a thing people who reacted to the trailer yeah there's little teddy bears that saved the world in the sixth one what the fuck? There were space horses in the last movie there's and a, there's a frog outside different. java's palace like mm-hmm. d- d- there's a there's a Thanks there's to the special lizards. edition, there's, there's a, a Yeti. There are yeah. lizards in the desert on Tatooine. I'm sorry. Thanks to the special edition, there's a little furball that runs around Jabba's palace singing. Like, I, <laughs> there's oh, yeah. this this world okay. has always been crazy. Like, yep. nobody this is remembers why that. You watch the VHS version of that. <laughs> you don't watch the. <laughs> Excuse me. The Max Rebo band from the original <laughs> one is way better. <laughs> my mom still has those on VHS, so and she still has a VHS player. So we might as well watch those when I go home yeah i not do it i have the uh i i found it at work the limited edition dvds that they put out where the laser disc print is on a bonus disc mm. i put it in on my computer and it cropped it down mm. so i was like okay well maybe if i put it on the tv it won't do that nope it's cropped down so it's, it's literally like a, 720 by 480 yeah and it so it doesn't match the frame so it's it was it was like looking at a middle finger in motion in front of your screen, and it was, it was pretty wonderful. Like I like getting flipped off that way. 
Um, but hey, it's in a little tin. It, the tin's really cool. So, and the tin was intact. On that note, you should all go read my post on the Real Nerds website about whether you should watch The Mandalorian. Just to convince people to do that. <laughs> Probably, well, I clearly have to convince you to do it because you I, haven't watched it yet. You have to fun. convince me to spend money, and that's something I'm trying not to do. <laughs> okay. I want to watch it. Yep. I just Maybe Disney Ryan is going to charge me for it, and I mm. I want to move out of my parents' house. <laughs> Maybe Ryan could put you on his account. Sure. You can you can log into mine if they let you. I log that. in like a, a blip goes off at Disney headquarters. Like what? <laughs> <laughs> Fuck this guy. Call Netflix. We Check got on how one. They're, they're policing their usernames. <laughs> You need that technology. Somebody in a Mickey, with Mickey ears pulls out a gun. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck's going on there? <laughs> and I'm just like sitting there spinning my steering wheel. <laughs> Trying to steal our shit. <laughs> uh, this week on Real Nerds Podcast, we saw Ford v. Ferrari. Zach, should people see Christian Bale actually have a English accent for a whole movie? Yeah, sure. Go watch Dad the Motion Picture. That sounds like a lot of fun. Um, I... I, I liked it. I wasn't supremely enamored with it, but I there's a lot to love about it. I think Bale and Damon are really good in the movie. Um, the story's interesting enough. Uh, I had I had problems with it, but like nothing enough to deter me from watching it again. So yeah, I, I wish I had watched it in RPX because it sounds like it would have been a lot of fun. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's it's totally fine. It's totally to, totally a fine time at the movies if that's what you'd like to go see. Brad. I paid $4 billion for Star Wars. Don't steal my shit, you son of a bitch. <laughs> um, you think I made up money? <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I think I uh, glowed over this movie a couple weeks ago. Um, I didn't. I don't really care about auto stuff and racing, but this movie made me care about it, so that's pretty impressive. Um, and the characters, I think, are really interesting to follow and that whole process of... Um, you know, trying to be Americans, trying to win this this French race, um, and all the pitfalls that go with that, and fighting corporate greed, I guess, or corporate, well, not greed, but like arrogance, I guess. Yeah, um, yeah, I, 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 it's great. I wish I'd saw, saw it in four DX. Corinne, sure. <laughs> I mean, it's a, it's a good movie. I had a good time. I do feel like it is long and a little bit unfocused, uh, at least from a writing perspective, but. I think there are some great performances and visual effects, and it's a it's a, a, a good story to tell, but yeah, the f- kind of first act is a little wibbly-wobbly once you kind of get into the meat of it. The third act is great, though. It's one of those movies that I will rewatch again when it's on physical media, and I can fast-forward mm. through parts I don't care about. Mm. My movie's pretty awesome. I mean, um, I really liked it. Uh, what was cool is I thought the uh, some of the shots they did for the racing, where it was really low and on the side, was really impressive. It's more impressive when you know that they actually didn't do CGI for that. They actually raced the cars. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, I saw it at the Alamo, but it was cranked up. And you could feel it shake whenever the cars were zooming past. And mm-hmm. um, Yeah, it was... I mean, the movie I thought was really good. Um, yeah, it's it's... Like a smart Days of Thunder, where I love Days of Thunder. <laughs> where I, I yep. like Days of Thunder because it's like super cheesy. Is it cheesy. about a rivalry? That's, I was going to tell you, that's what you should name this episode. It's a rivalry. Um, <laughs> yeah, it is. It's about a rivalry. It, it, it's not a. Uh, it is. It is. It's a rivalry. It's, it's literally it's, called Ford v. Ferrari. Yeah, yeah but it's just, you go, like the way the marketing was, like you go, you go into it thinking it's going to be a rivalry between Matt Damon and Christian Bale, but it's not. It's 
Well, a little bit, but yeah. they've got tension, but no, it's not, not a really. rivalry. It's not a rivalry. Yeah, they're not really all. pitted against each other. If, like Matt Damon's most of the time trying to support Christian Bale because Ford won't support him. Um, it, but it's really yeah, it's a rivalry against rivalry, rivalry against Ferrari. But you don't see them a lot in the movie. Mm-hmm. So here's like, a trailer. <laughs> Look out there! Out there is the perfect lap. You see it. I think so. Most people can't. Carol Shelby. Maybe. Lee I. Coke, Ford Motor. Suppose Henry Ford II wanted to build the greatest race car the world's ever seen to win the 24 hours of Le Mans. What's it take? Well, it takes something money can't buy. Money can buy speed. What in about speed? You need a pure racer behind the wheel of your car. That's Ken Miles. I don't trust him an inch. We heard he's difficult. No, no, Ken's a puppy dog. No, whatever it is, Shell, no. Trust me. You're gonna build a car to beat Ferrari with a Ford. Correct. How long did you tell them that you needed? Two, three hundred years? Ninety days. <laughs> this isn't the first time Ford Motors has gone to war. We know how to do more than push paper. Go ahead, Carol. Go to war. Thank you, sir. Do you think you can beat Ferrari? We're lighter, we're faster. That don't work, we're nastier. We're gonna make history. You ready? I was born ready, Mr. Shelby. Hit it. Yeah, like the. Like I do like pre- Enzo Ferrari was like <laughs> always in the yeah like the penthouse like the the driver for the Ferrari like Christian Bale even like mean mugs him mm-hmm. it's just like there's instantly bad blood for no good reason like it's just they're just competitors which, so. I'm, which I'm happy that they set that up early on in the film with that interaction of them trying to buy Ferrari and. The- and telling him like that they're basically all their executives are incompetent sons of whores. Like, yeah. <laughs> but I do like. And he too. called you fat, sir. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he added the extra stuff to it to make it more personal. Yeah. It was yeah. awesome. Uh, God, Tracy Letts is good in the movie. The scene where the scene where he just breaks down after going in that fast ride. I had no idea. <laughs> I, I remember, Dad. <laughs> I remember when I looked up the trivia for the movie, it said that it was originally written to be more of an ensemble kind of film. And I think that comes across a lot in the first act. It does. Um, And... Yeah, because what's his name? The Punisher kind of disappears in the third act. Iacocca, yeah. Yeah. That's what I said on Twitter. Yeah, Uh, he kind of disappears, but again... I mean, that's his role. His role has been 
What would you do with him at that yeah, point he anyway? Gets, yeah, he facilitates his role. Yeah, it's not like you need him like throughout the entire thing. I mean, like once Josh Lucas takes over in his douchebag role, like I mean, then you don't really need Baron Thal's backup. Like we just need to know that Josh Lucas is an asshole. Which, by the way, I'm glad he's still alive and still being a douchebag on screen all these years <laughs> later. Um, but yeah, no, I actually really love Damon in the movie. Like Bale's really good, but uh, when you get to that. Like in the last, literally the last ten minutes, there's just stuff that Damon's doing that was just like, man, he's just like working really well in every aspect of this, and it's like it's fucking phenomenal. It is an interesting storytelling element. I mean, um, they set up um, spoilers for real life. Um, Miles's death. I mean, he, uh, the one pit crew guy has a conversation with his son about he got out. I mean, sometimes they don't get out, and um, I thought it was an interesting choice to not. Um, like really glorify his death you know you see it in the distance and that's kind of set up throughout the whole movie anytime there's an accident you never really saw the accident you know at Le Mans it was always the card flip and then they keep driving yeah and they you'd like see the smoke from like you know the stands or whatever um and they didn't glorify it so you know you weren't 100 percent sure right away if he he died and then um they had a I mean there was a great scene uh where Shelby is selling cars and, you know, they want him to go out and say, hey, thanks for buying these expensive cars. He says, why does it matter Just sell him the fucking cars is basically what he's saying. And uh, he hasn't come to grips with it. And that scene at the end where uh, Damon's talking to uh, the little boy is really, really good. I have to admit, I did not know what happened to Ken Miles in real life. Mm-hmm. So when that scene happened, when the scene where he is in the crash and he dies, as we find out later, I was like, Whoa, what, you- what the hell just happened? And then that scene where... Um, where Shel- Carol Shelby is just, you know, in the office mm-hmm. and they're talking to him and I'm like, what happened? Like, is Miles in like a coma or is he dead? Mm-hmm. Like what happened exactly? And, you know, of course they pretty much tell you like he died six months ago and you have to let it go now. And it's like, you know, Shelby can't move on from it. Yeah. You know, it's just, I thought a really interesting choice as a filmmaker too, because uh, Mangold, he shows like the breaks a little bit and the last shot of uh, Christian Bell is just him going, oh, something's not right. It's not like, uh, you know, there's not this panic. Um, well, his character doesn't panic. No, that's yeah. what I mean. Like, it's uh, so you he, he lulls you into that false sense of security that yeah. he's going to be okay. Plus, you've already like you already think the movies like the, the devastating part of the movie is that he got cheated out of a first place mm-hmm. win by Ford. Um, and then you think, oh, well, yeah, they're going to go right off in the sunset. And I didn't know his story. So I'm just thinking like, oh, the movie's going to end here. They're going to try to do more races and it's going to fade to black. And then he dies. And there's <laughs> yeah. like. Where are they going to go for like they're going to end on this note? Like, mm-hmm. holy shit. I appreciate how because that because that choice that Damon makes in the office to kind of f- not flip out, but just kind of vent. Um, It just it it kind of circled back to me from the beginning of just like, man, this is about like part of this story is about a guy who's not allowed to race anymore because of mm-hmm. his health. And so he's almost kind of living vicariously through miles. Mm-hmm. And so when he doesn't have miles around anymore. What the fuck he's supposed to do? And he makes the decision at the end to just freaking drive as fast as he can and nearly get into a wreck. Well, like, he does that at the beginning too, where he's told right. he can't race anymore. He's yeah. like, I don't care. Yeah, exactly. But like, he's, so that's what hits him so hard is yeah. like, I he, he realizes like I used this guy yeah. to, to get what I wanted. And exactly. Like, yeah. Yeah, because he's feeling that distance and like, and that's why it's it's actually beautiful choice to put that same speech from the beginning into that moment right before mm-hmm. Miles dies. Um, I think the only real issue I have with this is that, like, there's certain points where the focus kind of sh- 
has a hard time shifting between Shelby and Miles, in my opinion. But like, it mainly comes just before uh, the actual race. Uh, but it's like a small section of it, and they seem to kind of kick back in after that. But uh, and it, it, I've, me in those things, I actually kind of appreciate it as a going to so many movies mm-hmm. from a storytelling point of view. Where you expect him, like, hey, he's going to drive in Le Mans, and then he actually has, he has to wait a year and prove himself. I thought it's a really cool story element. And, you know, you're stuck with um, Miles at that point. You're stuck in the garage, so you can't see it either. And it's not only depriving him, but it's depriving you as an audience member of wanting that. Yeah, like I you have to listen really, on the radio like him. Yeah, yeah I thought it was a really interesting story choice. There's that great shot of while he's doing that and they have the shadows of the cars. Like, they're hauling the other yeah. cars in, but it looks like they're racing in shadow behind yeah. him as he's trying to, like, visualize. Oh, yeah, it's so good. Yep. Agreed. I really like the sequence where Shelby locks the executive yep. in his office and then takes uh, Henry Ford II out in the car. He's like, the name on that steering wheel should tell you that I'm ready. Punch it or whatever, and then he about shits himself, and yeah. then he starts crying Tracy uncontrollably. Let, Tracy Letts should play businessmen of high stature in all movies, so that he can immediately be torn down and do that same kind of breakdown because he's very good at it. Um, everybody's actually really kicking it in this movie, and oh, yeah, it, no, Mang- awesome. Mangle did do a good job for whatever reason. It just like it as as a whole experience, I wasn't as enamored with it. But I'm sure if I rewatched it, I'd probably get more of a kick out. Or of you'd it. just be wrong. <laughs> what I would yeah. have suggested no, I, I pretty much said I liked the movie so you need to love it trim the first act a little bit so that it's n- no it's perfect no <laughs> okay so like internationally the film is called perfect. Le Mans 66 and I think that's a better title for this movie so Andy 66 what Le Mans 66 okay that's the international title. Uh, you can't sell movies in America that I way. Know, they get angry. It's, they start screaming and kicking. It's a more appropriate film. I agree. It. Oh, yeah. I, I don't think you need the whole name brands and the title. The fact that Bale and Damon are in this movie together is enough Man. to sell it. Well, it's America. America loves Ford. So they're, <gasps> they're trying to get all the gearheads into the, into the theater. Yeah. Well, I think a lot of the gearheads already know what Lamont is. So... Well, the, the the real ones, but there's like the casual ones who are just like America first cars. Yeah. Like Le Mans 66 probably isn't on their radar. Yeah. I would have trimmed down the first act, you know, maybe you kind of set up like the whole Ford is struggling financially, wants to buy Ferrari and then <laughs> it's, I mean, the, the I, own- I don't need the rivalry set up. I wanted this to be more of a character movie and that's what I got in the latter half with Shelby and Miles, because this movie gives Miles a lot of time. And I appreciated that. But it also gives me a lot of time with this whole bickering thing with um, the Ford executives and Shelby. And you can maybe cut that, a little bit of that back. Focus more on Shelby and Miles, their friendship, and their car that they built together. That, that, that's, so, say, that's somewhat fair, but... I think they... Say? I think they hung on that a little longer because they wanted you to understand that Ferrari tricked Ford. I get so that. So they get to Fiat, but I, I think if you if they didn't do that, people would just think that um, the deal just didn't go through, like it was just a failed deal. Right, but you can you can take the same amount of story that they did in the first act, but just compress it. 
they're kind of also angling on an American epic, which I which which I get. Like you can do that, and, and I think they did it fairly well in terms of structuring it because this is a two and a half hour movie. We get, well, it doesn't feel like two and a half hours. It moves quick. No, but, but it is like a, two and a half hours. But it does me. pack a lot of story in for that time and still feeling as swift as it does. Like. And I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that you are watching a lot of racing sequences, which can help that time speed up. But yeah, um, you guys are wrong. Brad and I are right. I'm just speculating <laughs> we, from we like didn't disagree with you. <laughs> I'm just speculating from like an editing standpoint. I think they drug it out because they want you to feel the impact of being cheated as much as the characters in the movie. Yeah, I agree. So that's why I think it's probably I think it's a creative long. choice. Yeah, because if 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 someone just kind of like walks in and says like, "Oh, the deal failed," and you've you've compressed it down to like a five minute thing. Like, you're like, oh, okay, that's just a thing I need to know. But I, I felt like, you know, when Ayakoko reveals, like, oh, they, they totally screwed us. Like, I was like, oh, man, I feel mm-hmm. burnt, too, as an audience person because I thought this was going to actually go through. Yeah. So. I think you can start the film with Ayakoko going and talking to Shelby and being like, you want to build a race car for us? It's been a few weeks. How did it actually start? Well, it starts with it starts with Shelby winning Le Mans, yeah, and then yeah. getting what, the, after that though, then the doctor thing, and then he goes to car salesman, and then it does a little with him and Christian Bell at the racetrack, mm-hmm. and then Shelby and his wife, or not Shelby, uh, Miles and, and his then wife. they have that yeah. sequence in the factory where Henry Ford the second shuts down, and he's like, "I want every man to go walk home and bring me back an idea." If you don't he have gets an to idea, keep his you, job. Yeah, you don't get to come home if you don't have an idea. They spend a lot of time building up Ford as an entity, and I understand why. But it's still frustrating because I personally wanted the movie to be more focused on Shelby and Miles because I felt like that was what they were trying to do in the latter half. But the first half, it's just kind of like wibbly wobbly. I, I'll, 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 I'll take the side of just saying, like, I'm glad they do it up at the front because at the back half. I kind of don't like Ford. I like Shelby and Miles more than I like Ford because Ford is actively making decisions that piss me off as an audience viewer going like, oh, you're taking away Miles' win. Fuck you people. Like at that point, it becomes less about why they're there and more about who they are as people, which I'm glad that you have that set up at the beginning in order to get to that point Mm -hmm. at the end. Like it's one Mm -hmm. of those things about the movie that works, does work beautifully for me. Also as someone who knew nothing about that experience at all, like setting up Ford's financial situation with Ferrari, like, I, it, yeah, I, mean, I, I think I, I, think I needed the, that. I think they get the rivalry across in the in the actual scenes at Le Mans with you know the the him and the uh, Ferrari drivers keep like making eyes at each other and the yeah, whole. Yeah, I'm like, not talking about the rivalry. Part. I'm just saying like the backstory of like why Ford's interested. In I, I mean, I think all. it's needed because it. it and yeah, you can do it. Like, it adds layers to it at the end where you're like, oh, these guys are just total rich jerks yeah and you, and you need to create a sense of stakes even though those stakes quickly disappear and become almost non-existent because like it's not important if all three uh finish at the same time uh but there's a good moment where miles thinks it might be important in order to kind of learn a lesson and then you realize that the lesson was he got fucked over by not following his instincts um, and just well, keeping on going. I like that going. he got that arc to go on. I do too. That he because he decided to be a team player. Right. But you have to set up at the beginning that Ford is desperate for all those things to occur in order for that moment to coalesce the way it does so that when it does happen, yeah, Ford wins, but they're a greedy company. While as, whereas Miles gets fucked over, but he learns a lesson. I don't so. necessarily yeah. agree because I think you're invested enough in Miles' story that when he gets fucked over, that's why you care. 
is because he's the one who should have won, but he, you know, because he decided to make the choice to be a better teammate, that that's when the company fucks him over. And I think that if you kept the subplot, I don't know if you technically consider it a subplot, with Shelby and the executive going back and forth at Le Mans, I mean, I think you get the point across that Ford is trying to tell Shelby how to run his own racing company, hmm. how to race his own car. Well, I'm just saying that's the early stuff is just historical context of like fill me in on like what like what the setting is. It's not the rivalry. It's just like I, I just need to know the backstory of Ford. And yeah, it could be condensed into like a five minute scene of just like someone doing exposition, but like that's lazy filmmaking. So I think like. Yeah, it's theatrical of him like stopping the line and like having this meeting with the other guys. But um, I'm, you're allowed to not like. It. I'm just saying, like, I'm trying to defend, like, as a filmmaker, like that's probably what they're trying to do, and it bored you, which is fine. It didn't bore mm. me. It just once I got to the end of the movie, I was like, this is the part I was more invested in. Why did I have to trudge through all that stuff at the beginning? Because, like I said, it feels very much like the ensemble movie that they initially wrote. Whereas the end feels more of a character piece for Miles particularly, but also for Shelby. So, I don't know. Like I said, I, I felt like it was unfocused. But it's still worth seeing, especially in the theater, because, you know, the all the big, you know, bombastic yeah, sounds. I'll and always be bummed chills that and I thrills and... didn't think to go see it in 4DX. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, F Italian, guys. <laughs> Um, you know, and that Excuse can, me. The sound design in that movie is fucking oh, it's amazing. Oh god, I I got Landmark. anxiety. Mm. That one scene where he's driving in the rain, he's going like hundreds of miles an hour, mm. and he's got those shitty wipers, mm. and it's dark, and I'm like, oh, or the part where his door doesn't shut, mm-hmm. so he has to hold it while he's driving. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Don't close. That's what I'm saying. Don't. That third act where they're at Le Mans is so good. That it was like, why didn't we spend more time with this? And that is a good scene of tension with that. Oh god, I do love that door scene because like it's just because you are following him for like it's just like a two minute sequence. But like I'm wondering like get that door closed, and then man. It you gotta keep going. Back the character moment all the way at the beginning where yeah. he had to hammer the trunk. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> See necessary what is I, I cannot remember it word for word but you know the line where he goes to him he goes like when you when you were a kid did you imagine that you would grow up to be <laughs> yeah. the guy who would read the rule book to me like <laughs> yeah but that was a good character building oh, yeah. scene. and then remember they play that again in Le Mans where the french guy is like no 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 you cannot do that yes <laughs> you, you guys need some stopwatches um <laughs> also the part where he's like explaining the course of Le Mans oh, to yeah. his son and at the end of it it's mm-hmm. like and that's just mm-hmm. the first three minutes yep and you realize how long he has to do that that's, yeah it's crazy I do like that scene outside like on the uh airstrip when he's with his son and they're just kind of chatting about the importance of it and then you know sure enough you it takes a good director to have a scene that emotional and then edit end it on a fart joke and have it not lose momentum yeah, and I really great. appreciated that yep. see it's a good character movie yeah mm-hmm. And a great racing movie. Yeah. Um, next week, uh, there is five new wide releases. Um, they decided to go ahead and make Uncut Gems a wide release um, next week. Good um, Bombshell, movies. Black Christmas, Richard Jewell, and Jumanji. So Jesus. Um, I don't know what the rest of the nerds want to see. Um, Grab bag, I guess. I don't know. I mean, actually, I want to see Bombshell, Uncut Gems, and um, Black Friday. So Of the five, I will Black probably Christmas. see Bombshell. Black Christmas. There we go. I'm I'm down to see well, 
one of them I should watch in order to finish an article series that's ongoing because yep. someone won't die. But <laughs> oh no, I started reading reviews of it. I go, oh man, mm. where he makes uh, some political stuff here is uh, Clint Eastwood is really Republican, and I guess he makes the the news really like the newspapers and journalists really bad in it like the fake media as soon as i heard what the story was i was like oh so that's the movie he's making because the trailer is really good yeah Mm -hmm. and i like paul water walter hauser and i and i i will watch it no i'll probably see it yeah i'll I'll watch it because i mean clint eastwood can't make a good movie i am curious to see how this one is particularly handled the buzz out of AFI was that it was like surprisingly very well done. So, and that's only because the last couple of films he's made. Well, no, it's well the last couple of films he's made have not been well received right. and have been kind of getting driven down into the ground. I mean, rightfully so, at least with I fifteen seventeen Paris, whatever. I've you do about. realize his work keeps him alive, Zach. So if you keep giving him money, he'll be able to keep making movies. Oh, oh, then I won't go. <laughs> <laughs> I yep. love doing that article series, though, and I do like watching his films. So, yeah, you know. Um, um, what do you I, think, Brad? I don't know. Like, I'm, I'm not against seeing any of them, but I'm also not excited about any of them. So, you could leave always it to do you. like a smorgasbord style, and everybody see a different one. Mm, no, no, we can really bounce off weird. of each other. It's just uncut gems sounds like an extended a what we've been watching. Mm-hmm. I'm actually voted uncut gems. Yeah, if it's playing in Denver. I, I will say though, I am curious about Black Christmas only because of just. One, it's now a PG-13 release, but two, how they're going to angle in that cult angle from the that's not in the original film. So Also, if we only pick one of them, that'll leave extras for January that we can roll over. So Yeah, that's true. Because the Star Wars is it. Yeah. If we hold out long enough, we can do Playmobil. Or end movie. of December. Because I don't... Well, although, like, unless you want uh, to go we're see gonna do the apartment in disguise. It's Sloan's Lake. Oh, can we please? <laughs> Wait, <laughs> the can... apartment? The one with Jack, Jack Lemon. Or we could do Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Mm. <laughs> mm, we could. They had a trailer for it before uh, Ford v. Ferrari. I go, oh, man, I love this movie so much. <laughs> you know what's weird is Terry Kaiser and Tammy uh, in the T-Rex kind of looks like Robert Downey Jr. Does he? Yeah, you should look at it. Um... Yeah, we could do Kiss, Kiss, kiss Bang Bang. Yeah, or Uncut Gems. Or Uncut Gems. But like I said, we don't have to do like three of them at once. We can save stuff for oh, January. Oh, yeah, no, I want to... I just want to do an Adam Sandler movie that's getting lots of praise. I think it'd be fun. He says if we don't go see it, he'll did keep you read making the name shitty of the, movies. Did you read the name of the movie? Grown Ups 3 Fart Camp? <laughs> I kind of <laughs> want him to make that movie. <laughs> don't go see Uncut Gems then. <laughs> well, just don't give him an Oscar. Yeah. I think that was, is that what the thing was? Is that yeah, if he doesn't get nominated? You didn't come down to jams. Whoop-a-dee-doo. I love Adam Sandler. I don't care. Cool. Like, I laugh at Don't Mess With His Ohan. That's, I like that one. Jack and Jill. Yeah, it's moment. Yeah. <laughs> What's my name, Brian? Dunkachino. <laughs> All right. Thanks for listening. Bye. 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 Thank you for listening to this episode of Real Nerds Podcast. Real Nerds Podcast is a production of Nebulous Visions Multimedia. Thank you to Sparks Mandrill and Plan 9 Studios for our kick-ass theme song. Also, if you're in the Denver area and you're looking for a cool place to see movies, we see them at the Alamo Draft House in Littleton and now also in Sloan's Lake. Thank you to Colorado Coins, Cards, and Comics. 
for supplying us with all our comic needs, especially you, Andrew. You know who you are. And a big shout out to James's mom. I'm giving you an electronic hug that you can feel through the airwaves. Thanks for listening and have a nice day.